Hi, this is Nick Dragata of East of West, and you're listening to the 11 O'Clock Comics Podcast. Oh my goodness, that was piercing. Because he does... I had... I, the wind was knocked out of me with Vince's last statement. I was like, I, I don't even, I can't even. Hey Vince, I, I, Vince, I listened even. to a, another podcast this week. You did? And, and the host called David A. Price Dave. Oh, oh my god. Why, why are you it, listening to something? So that means you finished the season? No, I'm Is fucking this I didn't listen to it. I didn't listen to it yet. I'm just fucking with you. That's <laughs> uh, true. It's true. It's like the bar with no name and shit. Right? And shit. Stuff. And junk. Mr. Wood, I hope you have your undivided attention tonight. There's not a draft draft. Is there? You have you have no more than fifty one percent of my attention currently. Damn. I've got my spreadsheet open, I've got the the draft on right now. My son is watching. So Luckily for you, it's 15 minutes per pick, so or 10 minutes per pick. So, so there's a, it'll be like a, a, a side wave. I'll come in. Just, you're gonna have a lightning rod. We'll see. We're just all gonna talk over everybody. Perfect. Oh, well, would it be any different than every other? Seriously. Right. That's what I'm saying. Shit. There's a big movie coming out this weekend. Oh, sucker, sucker, no. I think this is the first time that Mr. Price procured his uh, tickets beforehand. Is it not? Uh, it is, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, as far as the day before, I mean, we usually, we sometimes buy them on our way to the theater sometimes, but no, this was, um, it's a date night with me and the minion and we're, uh, he, he, he procured <laughs> Bring a banana. and, uh, and he, um, the place we're going to also offers reserved seating. So this way we made sure that Damn, the, going to a fancy place. Right? 3D? It, no, not 3D. Not 3D, because that's that's fine. I don't need the 3D, but it is. It's it's the nice stadium seating in the back row, so no one's behind me kicking my seat, so I can tell kids to get off my lawn and shit. So it'll be it'll be good. I'm seeing that bitch in three friggin' D. Number number two. I don't think you can say procure and not sound like an asshat. So I'm not gonna say that anymore. <laughs> Who told you? Huh. I don't know. I just don't like the way it comes I out feel of like my I mouth. I say procure a lot. I say it a lot too. <laughs> And I don't want to be an asshole. Yeah, those girls so. are both pretty. Well, why, why stop now? It's been 50 years, dude. <laughs> Damn. Almost 50. My ass is chafed. Dude, you're going to be 50. Seriously. Only in body, not in that mind. That is mad old. That is crazy. Your balls are Half mad. a century. <laughs> they're all wrinkly, but I don't know if they're old. A decade hey, from now, I will be that age. A decade, dude. Decade. That's, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> Can we do this, please? Can we do this? I can't wait till yeah. you're 60 doing the intro in year 17 of the show. <laughs> and you're like, oh, suck, suck, you're 50 now. And I'm like, you're 60, dude. You got your AARP card up in here. 60 is the new 40. So we need Vince to go everywhere so we can get the senior discount. Damn, pikers. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 366. And I'm old as dirt, and I'm Vince B. It's true, Methuselah. I am David A. Price. This is true, and fresh from a killing spree at the bar with no name, I am the Scourge. Oh, you're not the Scourge. What you are is distracted, just, but no, you're not, you're not the Scourge. You're Jason Wood. Uh-huh. And we got a guest in the house this week. Not really a guest, more like family. Um, he's a writer. He's a teacher. 
He makes comic books. He writes comic books. He makes comic books. He's an all-around great guy. We love him a lot. And he's the brains, if so to speak, behind the forthcoming Appleseed convention, which he'll tell you all about, Mr. Zach Krusey. Hey. Hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There you I go. Got him. That was good. Huzzah. I was working on that one. I was, I was practicing that one, like, the whole, like, three hours I was sitting in front of my computer just staring, waiting for, for Vince to call me. It's like, that's, that's how I'll do it. You do that a lot, don't you? Oh, all the time. Like, every day. <laughs> every fucking day. Yeah. So there you go. Mr. Krusey's with us this week. What's the good word, sir? The good word is this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics, as all, are sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. Unfortunately, we are in that void. The, mm. the the great the great limbo between Void Indigo. Special I love that book. Between special list of specials. So we can't really tell you what kind of massive discounts you're gonna get because they're not up yet. But rest assured, as I always say, the discounts will be both deep and plentiful. You can sometimes get like seventy percent off shit. That's how good <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're amazing. Marvel and DC, huge discounts. Dark Horse Image, massive Wamba discounts. You're not going to get comic books cheaper anywhere else. Unless it's Saturday. In which case you'll get them for free. But that that doesn't count. And if you're a DCBS subscriber, you get to pick comics that you want to receive for discount for um, free comic book day. It's awesome. You say, reserve these for me. And they do. You don't have to ever leave your house. DCBService.com. They are the absolute best. I tread water when the discount lists aren't up. I, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've oh, noticed Oh, yeah, no, that. those pauses weren't too deliberate. No. no. Pregnant, if you just stopped watching pauses. the NFL draft, it wouldn't have been so awful. Seriously, bro. <laughs> I said to my son, really, people pay for this shit? Dude, You hey, pay to see people? There's like 100,000 people out in Chicago right now watching it live. That's nuts. It's crazy. For the record, the NFL draft gets higher ratings than the World Series. Yeah. It's just, it's baffling. It's awesome. I don't get it. And the, the one guy that came on, he wasn't even a senior. The damn guy was a junior. So he's going to say like, fuck it. I'm going to play football. What if he like blows a knee or hurts his back or something? Now he doesn't have a degree and he doesn't have a, a career. Bro, see if we got to have a chat. Mm. The, right. the number, I'm just, wait, wait, time out. The number of collegiate football players that graduate with a degree is de minimis and the guys That's, and the guys that go in the NFL, almost none of them have degrees because they don't. I mean, that, like you're living in like 1960, bro. The reason the reason these guys come out early is exactly the opposite of what you're implying. They come out early because once they get to a point where they're so elite that the NFL wants them, why on mm-hmm. earth would they stay in college for another year and risk exactly that blowing out a knee where they get nothing? At least this way they get their payday. Hmm. But it just it speaks to the the real reason why they're in school for the first place, not to learn, but to land a football career. Sure, but why why is that a problem? Okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with learning. Them them books is good for your head. Yeah, but again, these guys weren't most of them weren't exactly going to college in the first place to learn. They were going to college because it was a place where they could uh you know, peddle their wares. Yeah, sports is nuts. I just I don't I don't I understand there's massive amounts of, of dinero involved. I was gonna say, let's I remember I it's not like these guys are um, people, I mean, they're, they're, they're giving a lot more to the universities than they're getting. I mean, sure, they're getting a free, a free education and a free scholarship, but they're making the universities millions of dollars. So it's not like. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. I kind, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. 
but not really. Huh. Um, let's do, before we do the drink roll call, you want to do the drink roll call? Let's just do it. Uh, for the second week in a row, mm. week in a row, a week in a row, I'm Rick drinking roll. alcohol. You tell. And again, it, it's the Dead Rise Old Bay Summer Ale from the, the awesome Flying Dog Brewery. Huh. What was that? There you go. Who got something Soup's on the inbox? <laughs> I never do. So, uh, David, what are you drinking? Um, because I'm still somewhat recuperating. Actually, I had wine for the first time since this weekend with dinner. Uh, but I think I'm not going to push it. Right now, I am sipping on some refreshing cold Poland Spring water. Wow. Which may be a about, first. Talk about rolling out the red carpet for our guest. No doubt. <laughs> Well, I don't think you I don't think, my guest, I don't think our guest wants to hear what I've been doing the past few days. So, I'm trying to be nice to everybody. Usually, when Mister Crucy comes on, we roll out the plastic sheeting, not not the yeah. right. I mean, I mean, like the like the grosser the better. I mean, that's, that's for real. Yeah, for surely. I I just <laughs> like I, I just got <laughs> done, <laughs> I just got done watch, having one of my students give a presentation on Johnny Ryan. So, I mean, oh really. Yeah, male really? or female? So, I mean, so, so do all. I mean, the grosser the better, really. I'm, I'm was it a male or female who presented? Uh, dude, uh, that would be like the ultimate woman. Yeah, I know, but there, yeah, there's only a couple of women that take the class. So, uh, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking um, the ambrosia of the polytheistic gods, otherwise known as Diet Dr Pepper. What is going on? It's that convergence also. Yeah, I got the stuff. bronchitis, man. I got the itis. I can't be he don't, he don't want to hear it. Can't be drinking. Zach, what are you drinking? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm classing it up too. I got a tall boy of Miller Lite because I was, I was in a pinch and I needed, I needed beers in the house. So I stopped at the CVS and dropped the five bucks. <laughs> oh, they were out of old Milwaukee? Uh, I didn't want, I, I was not going to buy 30. You didn't like that, that top shelf stuff. Yeah. I was not going to buy 30. I was behind the counter. Yeah, it's behind the counter. They got to walk. It's a whole thing. They've got to like unlock like the cedar, you know, chest and pull it out. And it's just it's it's a it's a hassle. Just put it just put it in a koozie and just let, let me chug it. Nice koozie. You know what we call koozies in in Pennsylvania? Sleeves. No, that's the uh, the female anatomy is called a koozie. It's just a koozie okay. But okay. Yeah. I have a thank you. <laughs> really? He's, he's drinking Wait. beer out of a koozie. I'm. I'm going to Zach's house. <laughs> Wait, you didn't you didn't answer your own question. What do you call them? If you don't call koozies koozies, what are they? Um, as far as I know, it's like a cabinet, right? But that's not what we call koozies. Huh. Lady parts or koozies? Yeah, he's talking about those, oh, shimmy uh, up, shimmy up the sleeve that you put around the beer can. I don't know. Oh, a cozy. Right. A beer. Yeah, koozie. we call them cozies here on the East Coast. Oh, okay. You guys, you guys don't pronounce the same. They have a whole different vernacular over here. It's all those we speak, we, yeah, we speak English, not American. <laughs> America. I have a thank you, and I, I, I know David Price does as well, although he probably has more than I do. Today, the courtesy of the United States Post Office, I received Timothy O'Brien's pretty big deal. It's BDR Volume Two, and it is magazine sized, black and white. Color covers, and I thumbed through it. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but I gotta say, uh, Mr. Monster, aka John Cardinal, 
destroyed the cover. <laughs> it's it's a uh, faux newspaper yeah. layout. It's a wraparound cover, and there's headlines. And I love the the Greek type. It's all Greek. The Laura, Laura Mipsum Dolar. Latin. And they went in and they changed some stuff. Yeah, Frankfurter Meatball. Strip safe. Uh, it's it's awesome, uh, and it looks great. The, Mr. Uh, O'Brien ha- is con- continues to grow by leaps and bounds in, in the sequential department. Yes. We have a ghost rider on a bike, a flaming headed ne'er do well on a on a uh, a bike doing tricks and uh, coercing people into bad situations, and it does not end up well for him. I think it's pretty amazing. Mr. Price, what do you think? I, th- it, I cannot wait to uh, to sink my teeth into this. It, it looks fantastic. It's it's. I love the uh, tabloid esque size of it. It uh, it it really it it's a it's a big. Literally, it's it's a far cry from the uh, the first BDR, which was more of a um, kind of on the on the manga side uh, as far as dimensions go. But it's um and and I just I mean we've we've been fans. Of, of the O'Briens for a while now, but both brothers have shown a lot of growth over the years and, and BDR is just, is, is amazing. So, uh, we should hopefully, Jason and I will be seeing them at Heroes in, in Charlotte in, uh, oh, yeah. in, in a couple few weeks. So it's going to, uh, it, it'll be good to, I might, I might bring this with me. So, uh, so Timothy can sign it, but it, it looks amazing. I'm glad it is, uh, it's one of the l- recent Actually, it's probably one of the last few Kickstarters I have backed and, um, and, and happy to, to have done so. It, um, also included with it was a, uh, a, a pretty sweet sketch card of, uh, of Spider Gwen, which looks fantastic. So, so thank you so much for that. Awesome, awesome stuff. And, uh, and speaking of Kickstarter, I know that, uh, Jason's should be on the way if it isn't yet. Uh, I did receive the, uh, the first volume of Sithra by nice. Mr. Nice. Jason Brubaker. And it, it looks beautiful in, in person. The, uh, the book plate's nice. It's, uh, you got your, uh, numbered of 1000. The, the cloth binding looks really sharp. And, uh, it included because of one of the, um, the, the stretch goals, uh, it included Brubaker, uh, Brett Hauer presents, Seraphim, and it is a a Kickstarter edition from Coffee Table Comics of a I have no idea. Oh, this uh, second printing uh, looks like originally published in 1995. And um, speaking of growth, you can see that there's some Brute Baker here, but it looks nothing like um, what you've seen in Remind or or the uh, the pages we've seen for from Sith for so far. So I had a uh, I had a pretty splendid mail day. Nice. Splendid. splendid. I don't know if either of those things came for me. They may well have. I've not checked the mail since I've been home, so. Mayhap. All right, let's, uh, hear it. Ooh, Whoa. that was nice. What's Oof. up with that? Hey. Oh, Jason's a ghost. We can't hear him. I can hear him. No, on, on the, the echo. I heard you and I echoing. But it, yeah. I didn't hear Jason when he spoke. It's like a vampire it's, and shit. It's probably Crucy's shenanigans. Mr. Crucy. What up? Oh. Tell us about this Appleseed con that you have coming up. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, um, fine, fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, no, Appleseed's coming up in like three weeks. Um, it's the 16th and 17th of May, of course, 
And uh, it's the second year I'm doing it two days. And last year worked out really well, I think, for two days. So I, I felt really confident in that, uh, that I should keep doing that. So um, just another really great lineup of artists again. Um, a lot of like returning faces. But this year, Jaime Hernandez is going to be there. <laughs> Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so which I which is the craziest thing. Like you know, I mean just just being real about it, when I when you invite people to a show in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you kind of have to like uh you, you have to be you have to be encouraging, right? Like like what the uh-huh. fuck? Like, Fort Wayne. Okay. Um so you kind of have to let people know about the the quality of the community that's actually here. But anyway, so, but when I got a hold of Jaime, it really didn't have to do any of that at all. I was just, I said, hey, would you like to come? He's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll be there. What do I need wow, to do? That's great. Yeah, I know. I was, I was, uh, really excited about that and really pleased. Um, Jaime, Jaime's one of my favorite cartoonists ever. So I'm just kind of in awe of just like the whole thing. And I just, I'm just can't wait for him to be back here. So, um, so that's no, we super get. Oh yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's a super get. And, and it's probably, I mean, I've had really incredible people, you know, come to the show, you know, every year, but I think Jaime is the one that I'm probably the most proud of getting, I guess. Um, the Steranko thing last year was really great. I was going to say Steranko really right proud. now, so we're going, go fuck yourself, Chrissy. Could if it will never Yeah, he probably, yeah, he probably is. I know what David's thinking. Yeah, so I we're think gonna, we're going to keep moving. Huh. No, it wasn't bad. It was actually comparing the bulk of the output, uh, Steranko's output compared no, to. No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I was I'll thinking. Steranko has what, maybe six books total, <laughs> you know, and, and Jaime has thousands of pages, all of them great. Now, yeah. you know, when you put them on the scales, maybe they balance. I, I don't know. I think I would lean more towards Jaime. I th- no, I think so too. I, I mean, I mean, for as much as I really respect what Steranko did and you know continues to do, um, as a historian and as a as an artist and all of those things, I mean, I just think, I, I, I think I think Steranko is sort of of a moment, and um, you know was because he because he came about in that particular moment, you know, that sort of just like post Kirby. Um, post Ditko sort of time frame. I mean, I mean that that helps him a lot. But but Jaime, I mean, he he doesn't go into it where like Steranko did, where Steranko's coming in and he's automatically working for Marvel DC. I mean, Jaime's doing his own thing and builds something entirely different for an entirely right. different generation and for an entirely different readership, but still somehow has the same, if not more, impact than than Steranko did over his you know short tenure you know as as a comic artist so right. um, and it's really not not a ridiculous comparison like no. you know you could throw many many people into that mix and say Steranko versus I don't know Ethan Van Skyver and people's like what but you throw Jaime Hernandez into that it's taken seriously yeah yeah I mean it um yeah I mean it, it, I, I'm I know I'm not the only person to say this I'm, I'm sure Will Piper will cheer me on somewhere. But I mean, I really think that Jaime is one of the five best cartoonists to ever work in the medium. I'm period. Um, you know, I don't think he's, I mean, he's behind Kirby and, and Ditko and, and Wood, but I mean, he's up there as, as one of the five best, as far as I'm concerned, just in terms of quality of output, uh, impact of output and just sort of, uh, um, not just quality like in moments, but like 
consistent quality. I mean, like you said, I mean, I don't, I mean, in the thousands of pages he's done, I'm not sure that there's many that you look at and go, eh, and kind of give it the side eye. You know, I, I can't, I can't imagine that there's any, to be honest. Almost, almost never, even from the first issue of Love and Rockets on up. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I agree. So, um, uh, so I, I'm really just tremendously excited and honored that he's going to be here doing this. So, um, but anyway, so Jaime will be here. Uh, and just, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of great, uh, other talent, you know, Hillary will be back. Oops, sorry. Uh, Hillary will, will be back. Dave will be back. Um, some, some let's, jer- let's be specific for the people who don't know these people. Oh, Hillary, sure. Hillary Barda, everyone, mm-hmm. everyone's favorite, uh, everyone's favorite friend, Hillary Barda. Uh, and then, and then, uh, great Dave Wachter, um, you know, Godzilla, Guns of Shadow Valley fame. Uh, Christopher Mitten will be there again. I love <gasps> him. He's the nicest guy. Uh, he's, oh, he's so stupid talented. It, yeah, oh, he's ridiculously talented. Yeah, he's obscenely talented, but like he has the personality to, to like to match the talent. Like he's just a mm. total sweetheart of a guy. Um, so you know, so those guys will be there, and then we've got a lot of local and regional talent that will be you know, that will be back as well. So um, it's ten bucks for the day. If, you, if, any, if people come for a day, it's fifteen bucks for the whole weekend. There's panels going all weekend, and all kinds of great groovy stuff. Drinking afterwards, plenty of drinking afterwards. <laughs> copious amounts so. 15 bucks for the entire weekend you can't even get a hot dog at some conventions for that that's true like you, you're going to for example right you're going two days 15 bucks that's good that's seven seven fifty a day that's parking not even and, and you What's don't need a uh, hotel room at fort wayne run you're like 1350 <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, that comes with the bed oh, with the corridor oh, yeah, yeah. The vibrating bed no for real though i think it's like um like the convention rates I've got are like a hundred bucks. So, and that's like downtown at like a really nice hotel. Nice. So, yeah. It, um, but I mean, you could stay elsewhere for cheaper. Like I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some place charging six bucks a night for like a cot and like some <laughs> pretty invested. Like, 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 yeah, like my house. living room. Probably Teed. Uh, yes. 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 Just, exactly just tr- for the love of God, try not to go near the waist high hole. In the wall. Don't go near it. Don't even look Glory at it. Hole. That speaks from experience. True. <laughs> that duct tape that's I would love it. to know the <laughs> derivation of, of the concept of a glory hole. Like, when, what was the first glory hole and what context was it achieved? <laughs> Damn, I should have did my thesis on that. <laughs> Seriously. It was glory. It's got to be like some like ancient Roman truck stop or something, right? Like I would think, right? Bathhouses or something? Zach, how was uh how was planning this con now that you're no longer a Indianan full time? Uh, well, I'm still here now. Oh, you are. So, oh, yeah, I thought no, you moved. no, 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 not yet. We won't move until like July or August. Oh, um, okay. So, because uh, I'm just now wrapping up um, the school year here, then we've got to put our house on the market, and then then we'll move. So it's it's been really it's been the same. Um, it's been a little more stressful because there's there's more going on in my personal life but um but other than that you know it's pretty much the same uh in, doing this for i was just like the sixth or seventh year or something like that i mean it's just kind of a lot of these things just sort of become rote and um just making sure you hit be- certain benchmarks by certain days so um as far as next year goes you know i will see how that goes i'm not sure <laughs> um but you know it'll be okay i'm sure one way or another mm-hmm yeah, you know, Zach, don't front. Uh, literally, the day after the last Appleseed convention, Zach was planning the next one. 
Yeah, no, that's true. It takes, and, and, me, it takes me a year. Yep. So there's no rest for the weary. No. As far as the uh, the Appleseed Convention is concerned, uh, that would that would kill me. That it's, that kind of planning. It's almost killed me. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, sh- I shouldn't under- I shouldn't undersell it too much. I just don't want to be an asshole about it. like, oh, I worked so hard. I'm so beleaguered. Ugh, you no, know I mean? no, no. But, you got to you got to take credit for your accomplishments. But yeah, no, man. I mean, it's a, it's a year round project, and um, you know, trying to do balance it with a family and teaching and graduate school work and uh you know everything else um you know it's it's not a burden but it, you know it it takes a toll it's a lot of work um and fortunately this year a friend of mine stepped up and she she offered to basically handle social media and work with vendors and that sort of thing just to sort of take those things off my back um and she's the only person so far, actually, she's the only person so far that I've worked with and ha- been able to hand those things off to and say, please do X, Y, and Z. Please take care of the social media. Please take care of vendors or whatever, and then actually get it done. Um, so that's been like a huge, huge help and just made things a lot easier this year. Um, I, I couldn't have done that without her, uh, really. Uh, it's really saved my life and probably my wife's life, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um just because she doesn't have to deal with me stressing out and like staying up till four in the morning working on stuff. So, um, but you know, the, but the work aside, I mean, the, every like bit of like stress, I mean, it's all worth it because when, by the time this, that weekend gets here and spending time with friends and, and celebrating comics with people and just seeing people come through the door and be excited to, to meet whoever and get sketches or find comics. I mean, it's, I, like the amount of joy and pleasure I get from that, I mean, is immeasurable. It mean it means absolutely the world to me to see that happen, um, especially when, not just because it's like my town, but especially, but just that it's it's people who I think are coming to the show, coming to a show for the right reasons. They're coming for comics, and I don't want to piss on anybody who goes to a show because they want to meet celebrity X. I mean, if that's your thing, man, good, you know, God love you. I mean, do it. Um, you know, get out of it. What's my, what's important to you? But I, I want to see people celebrating the medium and celebrating. I mean, comics are the thing that I, you know they're they're the thing that sort of helped me shape an identity for myself when uh, when I needed to do that. So um, it's important to me that people come out and actually celebrate. You know what these conventions are really about, and that's you know com- not just comics, but you know the men and women that are making them who are killing themselves to make art for, for who, you know? Um, and there's just something really beautiful about that to me and really important. So, um, you know, every bit of blood, sweat and tears is ultimately worth it. Aww. Yeah. I got the feels when you said that. Mm -hmm. I I, I have so many feels. I'm just like, I'm just a meat bag full of feels is basically my deal. (laughs) So, so, uh, how'd the dealer's room shape up? Do you have a lot of people coming in? Uh, yeah, it's, I, I try to, um, I don't necessarily cap it, but I try to keep it, um, to about like 15 or so just solid dealers and vendors. Um, mostly because it, it's a small show. So I want to make sure that there's plenty of back issue stuff for people to go through and spend time with. Um, but, I also don't want to put them in position because it's a small show and, you know, we're getting maybe 1500 people through the door over the course of a weekend. Um, you know, I, I don't, I want to make sure that there's, uh, you know, you hit those sort of 
you know, margins, you know, of diminishing returns and that sort of thing. So I, I try to keep those diminishing returns as minimal as possible by um, concentrating the the vendor money. Um, so we. Am- I, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised this year. If 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 with- you're talking fifteen hundred, I'm I, I can almost guarantee with that, uh, Mr. Hernandez on the bill, and, and and the rest that your your numbers are going to go up. Oh yeah, no, I, I think so too. But you know, conservatively, I mean, that's the trend that that's just so we're the trend that I see, and where I'm sort of the uh, that's just sort of the the point that that I think is the the expected point. Anything beyond that is going to be gravy, and I think that it can go beyond that. But um, I, I just try to be conservative about it because I don't want to overestimate, you know, what costs are going to be or anything like that, and then assume I'm going to be making X when I only actually end up bringing in. You know, Z. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it, um, but you know, 15, I mean, the thing is, is I mean, like the, the ballroom and stuff that we have, I mean, 1500 is a good number. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty full. And, and for a town like this one, um, you know, that's, that's also pretty solid too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'll be more than pleased with that, but I think that I don't think it'll be any, any uh, problem to exceed that number. Well, you know how you're going to have to do that. There's three guys that would really increase your numbers. Who that? You know, if you if you had them as guests, Vince I'm David. Saying, I'm just I'm just saying. Vince David uh-huh. and David. Yeah. <laughs> David has a huge amount of followers. That's true. Listen, yeah. I, I promise I would get you a fairly good deal on the on the charter jet for us. It wouldn't be that expensive. <laughs> I'd even put. I'd even. I'd even. I'd even dro- drop the C note for the hotel room if you if you arranged for the flight for us. For That's real. the kind of magnanimous guy yeah. I am. Yep. I can look into that. If I got that money laying around, depending on what it costs, round trip. There you go. It wouldn't be Freedom more than like six, seven grand for the jet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've got that. That's All right, fine. Cool. This is on. So much fun. Awesome. I mean, I, I mean, uh, surely I've got that. Like, I've got that under a mattress somewhere, uh, like in a coffee can in the backyard, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> With the scorpion in it. All that mystery Just solved. That hanky panky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All, all the money that I make from Skeptical Inquirer, that's that's what I'll use for it. You know, I got a bone. While we're on that subject, mm-hmm. I, ha- I have a bone to pick with Mr. Bag. Oh, uh, with Pete Bag? Yeah. I love him. Your and I have, I have loved him for many, many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, more than I care to admit. But he's doing these, these one-page things for Creepy, um, these gag comics, I want to say. I, I, I say that in quotes because – they're really not funny. And um, he's been doing it for about, I don't know, five, six issues. They're really bad. Oh, really? Re- really bad. They're, 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 they're not even, I mean, they're only marginally related to, I mean, they're, they're not horrific at all, as something in Creepy should be. They're just, they're gag strips. And, and I, I'm, I mean, I hate to poop on it, but I got to be real. I mean, if you're, uh, you're talking Creepy, there is a huge benchmark a very very high benchmark to reach for that magazine, and I I don't think these do it. I I, I just think they're wasted pages. Who's he? Who are the characters? Is it like Uncle Creepy in them? Is he doing it like he, Bat Boy or something like that? Yeah, well, Bat Boy was in one of them, yeah. But it's it's Uncle uh, Uncle Creepy, and then like it'll be the cat or the dog or the some some other of that that cast that they contrived for the series. Like it's not just. Uncle Creepy and Cousin Eerie. It's like there's a whole family now. 
and it's just goofy things like wah 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 you know there's like a pratfall at the end or there's like a a, a one-liner that's it just it's lost on me and i, and I don't I, and it kills me because they're they're really they're not very well done mm. oh, that's too bad that's too bad because yeah. i actually love him too like almost like um i i almost like just like give him a pass you know, I I think it would be it would stretch your idea of a pass when after really? you read these things. Yeah, wow. yeah. And that's a downer. So let's move on. But I you know I gotta gotta be real you know because I'm always loving stuff and people say why don't you? No, I just don't like them. They're they're just they're just um they're page turners. See ya. Bye. I'll go on the next thing. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read any of those. I haven't read that. I haven't read that creepy book. I think. I read like the first like maybe dozen issues or so, and then haven't read anything after it. So it's it's consistently good. There's some very very scary stuff in it with artwork that compares favorably to the original stuff. Like um, Karina Becco mm-hmm. had a great story in there, and uh, but it, I I just don't understand the the purpose of these things. I really don't. I I mean yes, they fill pages. Other than that, they're lost on me. Hmm. Well, that's too bad, yeah. man. I'm sorry to hear that. Take a look at them when you get a chance. Want to just just thumb through the the more recent issues. I think the last one I read was nineteen or twenty. I mean, it's getting up there, um, but yeah, not good. Hmm. All right, let's move on. Jason, do you have a window of opportunity? Always for you, buddy. Tell me what you're reading. Oh, so much, so much. Dap and I are probably going to tag team on this. Tag team back again. <laughs> yeah. So there's a little thing going on at DC called Convergence. Little. And I have very mixed feelings about this whole thing. On one hand, I feel as though I should have known better. <laughs> For, uh, on the or on, on the other hand, don't even. I, don't even. On, on the other hand, I I'm kind of enjoying the experience of jumping into something like this. Um, Without any, with sight unseen. So, what do I mean by this? Convergence is a mini event, but as, as I think it's fair to say, it's really an extended, uh, fifth week event, right? For, for those listeners who aren't old comic fogies like us, a fifth week is generally in the months when there's a fifth week of shipping. A fifth, uh, comic companies often would, would put out kind of filler or, uh, inventory books just to have something on the stands. And so that term's come to mean something that's relatively inconsequential or hurried just to not have something, you know, not have empty shelf space. Um, DC's moving their offices from the East Coast to the West Coast. So they realized that there was going to be a two-month window where logistically it was going to be tough to have a regular schedule with all their regular creators and editors. So they came up with an idea to do a mini event that was somewhat out of time uh, and continuity with the, the main new 52. Um, now I think as our listeners, why am I hearing an echo now? That's frustrating. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think as our listeners know, uh, this is, we're, we're collectively not reading a ton of DC. So I thought, well, this might be fun because the, a lot of the announced tie in issues with convergence, um, reminded me of things like, uh, the, the age of apocalypse which I loved when Marvel did that, where for, for a couple months the, the books that on the stands were were, act, were completely redone, and it was just an alternative to it. So I thought, okay, this could be cool. Uh, DC's going to put out, uh, with a different set of creators and a different set of artists, um, other takes on these characters. And since I'm not reading much DC 
new 52 stuff as is, this could be a fun way to get exposure to these characters without having to wade back in on an ongoing basis. Um, so thanks to our friends at Discount Comic Book Service, I went ahead and pre-ordered the bundles. So before anyone starts accusing me of being a DC hater here, keep in mind I paid for and pre-ordered more than 100 books. So clearly I wasn't hoping for to be disappointed by this thing. Um, so the first month or so's tie-ins have come out. Um, and I have read maybe 30 or so of the titles so far. Are you serious? Yeah, uh, the first issues. There's two, each of these is going to be a two issue series. Um, and while they vary in my enjoyment of them, they're very, very formulaic. Uh, and you know, David, you can tell me if you disagree, but I, I, I find that, that almost each one sets up the exact same way, which is, um, we are, we are, bro- we are brought into whatever alternative earth of DC this is, whatever city that they're taking from. Uh, and there's a dome over it and we're, we pick up at some point many months into the fact that the city's been enclosed in a dome with one of the heroes. They've all lost their powers. So they're kind of either having regular existences or they're lamenting the loss of their powers. And then at some point in the issue, we hear Brainiac's voice announce the convergence, which is that this city has to verse another city from another planet and the, only the strong will survive. The dome opens up, they get their powers back, and we set up for issue two, which I presume will be the battle. That's pretty much the synopsis of every single first issue. Oh my god. Would you agree, David? I would. I would definitely yeah. agree. So that I mean there's there's a little bit I'm not there's a um the at least um yeah, you get by the time you get to the end of the first issue, you're setting up what's gonna happen in the in, in the second, but the uh Getting to, getting to those last pages in that first issue, that can be, um, fun or, uh, tiring, depending on the book you're reading. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think the problem is that reading them all in, in conjunction with one another, and let's be honest, if, if, if I don't read these now, I'm never going to read them, right? Because it, it is by definition a, a transient event. So if, if they stacked up on Marjana three months from now, they're, they're going to be even harder to justify reading. But that's the problem is that some of them definitely on their own have been enjoyable. There's some great creative teams uh, and, and some really interesting pairings and some artists that we haven't seen do stuff in a long time. But the, the, the similarity of the setup, I think, numbs the effectiveness of those books that either look pretty or are a little more interesting unto themselves when you're reading them back to back to back. So it's um, – uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough one. Um, th- I know David and I did not read all, all the ones that he's read and the ones I have, have are, do not necessarily overlap. We didn't plan it. So I'm curious, do any of the ones that you've read so far, David, stand out positively to you? Um, the ones that do, uh, let's see. Um, did either of you read the swamp thing one? Yes. By, by Lent? I heard that one was excellent. Um, I did not read that one. Um, I thought it was okay. I, um, Kelly Jones on art. Yeah, Kelly Jones on art, which um, to me, this Kelly Jones was kind of similar to the art Adams we got in the first Guardians team up issue. Legend, always awesome to see, but not not the quality that we we come to hope for from them. And it was written by Len Wein, correct? Yes, it was. Cool. But but again, so to your so let's let's jump jump to that. Essentially, a this issue is essentially a 
origin story of Swampy, um, with then him having to go to Gotham for a certain reason. And because the dome goes over, he loses access to the green. And so he's essentially only being kept alive by fertilizer and food while he's waiting to, uh, and until the dome opens up and then he's kind of back and that's the end of the issue. Okay. Now being that it's convergence and, and it doesn't really have ties to the new 52, I assume, correct? Right. So to be clear to everyone about what convergence is, uh, and the, there is a main, I, we should say there is an eight issue main series called Convergence. It's coming out too. Um, but in essence, I mean, what this is, in essence, Brainiac has saved, preserved, whatever, a bunch of different cities from different parts of the former DC multiverse for some reason. He moves all these cities to essentially like a Secret Wars battle world. Battle world. Puts domes over them. They live in these domes without powers, closed off from everything for essentially a year. And then after a year, Brainiac's voice comes over. He announces the convergence and for some reason has pitted certain cities against other cities. It's not, it's not everyone versus each other. It's, it's okay. Um, crime syndicate city versus, uh, red Superman city. Um, and that's, but for some reason they all exist under this dome, a la Stephen King, the dome for a year. Um, without powers. Okay. That, that's, that's the setup for every one of them. Now back to Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Is it the, um, Bronze Age origin or is it the Alan Moore origin? Or a mixture of both? Um, I must confess I don't know the Bronze Age origin, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Okay, so the Alan Moore was the Avatar of the Green Thought. He was Alec Holland. That's what was one. really. It's this one. Okay, he's a plant. Good. He's, he's a plant. That thought he was human, not the other way around. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, so the point here is that, is that I think the promise of this was far more interesting than the, um, than the reality. Now there are, there are some cool things. I mean, I don't know if you read the plastic man and the freedom fighters, David. Not yet. Uh, that's written by Simon Oliver with art by John McRae. And I, I really enjoyed that one. Essentially, it shoehorns Plastic Man into being the leader of the uh, Freedom Fighters instead of Uncle Sam. But that works. It works. It was well done. It was a little of a strange twist to a story you might have otherwise been familiar with. I thought McCray's art looked really good for the context of that type of story. Um, that was cool. Um, I was really stoked for the Shazam one, which was written by Jeff Parker with with Doc Shaner art. But that that one... That one didn't hold sway for me. Uh, that I, I didn't, I, I thought the art looked great, but there wasn't a lot for Doc to do because we see Shazam in the final page of the book. Oh. Because again, he didn't have his powers, right? So he couldn't, he couldn't yeah. call, he really couldn't call Shazam. Um, uh, Blue Beetle, written by Scott, Scott Lobdell, art by Yishan Lee. Um, again, there just, to me, there wasn't a lot there. Uh, I, I was looking forward to seeing Ted Cord again, but, but it just wasn't a lot to really hang my hat on, um, until the very end when he's getting ready to do battle with another crew. Um, did you read the, the Green Lantern Corps one, David? No, I, um, and there were, I, I jumped around. There was, sure. um, I think the, the reason I, I didn't, um, I don't, cause I also had the, uh, the parallax one that I had on um, all all queued up, but I, I I jumped around. I didn't read that one either. The um, 
I read Superboy. Uh, I haven't read that one. Because the, um, because that whole Tom Grummet era Superboy, I really dig. This was written by, um, Fabian Atienza and, and had, uh, pencils and inks by Carl Moline and, uh, Jose Marzan Jr. That felt like the nineties Superboy. Um, I, I enjoyed that, but again, it was, you know, it, Khan doesn't have his, uh, his powers and, and double X and, and everybody are trying to find out why. And, um, the, the Superman Man of Steel issue was, um, was enjoyable for a couple of things, primarily, um, uh, written by Wheezy. So you had, um, it was basically kind of the return of the Power Pack creative team. It was Louise Simonson and Drew Brigman on pencils. And, um, Roy Richardson on ink. And I, I, I do like John Henry Irons. I'd like, again, I, that whole nineties era Superman weekly that, um, I really enjoyed that back in the day and, uh, and getting an idea that, uh, I kind of revisit that is what really, um, let my appetite for the whole convergence thing. What was really weird though, it's like part of this issue felt as though, or one particular part in this issue felt as though like maybe Louise had a, an old idea for an issue of um, New Mutants still sitting around because uh, they have a cat that Hamilton um, injected a, a technovirus with. So basically it's Warlock Kitty. They, they have a cat that mm-hmm. reminds me very much like Cypher's buddy Warlock. And um, and the, the Adam issue, not much there to talk about. The question was very much... Um, the 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 book of blood or the bible the crime bible it was, is that um it's Brene Montoya as uh the question and a really weird off kilter not to duh but but of two face that I'm just not familiar with at all so I don't know where they were going with this one the uh that's the Swiss... so that's that's the first one that you've meant that either of us mentioned that we both read oh um, okay that, that that one uh so that was written by Rucka and Cully Hamner Art. So that, that was another one that I thought was going to be awesome. Right. Um, and, and I agree. I think it looked great. And, and I like Rucka's take on Renee Montoya. In fact, I did, I did come away thinking I would, I would enjoy, uh, as I did enjoy Renee Montoya as the question. I, I did like that character. Um, but, but I'm with you. I, I presume that that is the other thing that you're, you're hitting on. If, there, if, I think that, um, if I get the sense that if you aren't reading whatever era of comics, these are, universes drawing from if you're not familiar with that era these these fall a little flat because i i too was like well i don't know what's going on with with two-face here i guess he's got a crush on renee and uh he's kind of trying to kill himself yeah he's so i'm with you but but uh but that is one that i thought that was one of the probably top five before going in that i was excited for this i mean the whole event and it i you guys know i am a Big, big fan of the original Crisis. Christ Center for Nurses is one of my favorite stories. And I wonder if, um, the way I talk about Crisis and like I was there and, and it was great and, and leading up to it and the aftermath and, and you have people who have, whether they read it 10 years ago or if they were Marvel fans and decided to give DC a shot by reading Crisis and they're just lost. A lot of this feels like what you might have felt like reading Crisis, looking at it from the outside, and mm. um, it's not. It, it this this also doesn't have the weight of something like a Crisis, and and it's just it it doesn't 
by the time this is done, I'm not getting a sense like, oh my God, worlds died and, and maybe the new 52 won't be the new, I just, I don't know. Aside from telling some, some interesting stories as quickly as they can with each issue only being two issues, with each series being two issues, I don't know. Um, it's like, I think it's really cool theory. I just think the execution's a little poor. And I, I did not know because I, I wasn't reading previews when this was solicited. I did not know Convergence was basically Secret Wars by having a bunch of different cities on a planet and and then having to battle each other because some nigh-omnipotent being wants them to fight and winner takes all. Um, and and that's not maybe if if Secret Wars from Marvel wasn't just about to start that might not resonate so much, but considering that it is and and it's if it was just 25 years ago that'd be one thing but um it it does feel a little bit too close to what the other guys are doing and the uh yeah, the premises do sound a lot alike i mean i haven't similar. read i haven't read anything yet but and in uh, yeah. the main convergence series which has um you have art by uh there's um uh, Pagulian and, and Segovia. I mean, they, they have, they're, they're really using the, uh, quality artists for, for the main, uh, the main series. And what's cool is a character that I haven't seen in years. You actually have Travis Morgan in the main series, Vince. You, you see Warlord and, and, and Deimos and Shakira and they, uh, and the bunch of different looking DC heroes, the, um, there's a Superman, there's a Green Lantern, a Jay Garrick Flash, but nobody, nobody I'm familiar with, but nobody probably, uh, recognize. And it's just, it's, there's a Dick Grayson of Earth too, who, who's not a Robin, who seems to be, who's, it's, the main, the main series is somewhat detracting to what the tie-ins are doing. The tie-ins look like they could be fun. And, and in this, in the Man of Steel one, Irons actually has to fight Gen 13. And it was neat. See, it's because you have the first page of each, each issue and it tells you, you know, basically who, what, 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 what earths or what, uh, what cities are going to battle. So you'll have pre flashpoint Gotham, post flashpoint Gotham or, um, or, or, uh, furry wood or, or just wherever, wherever they want to pull from. And, uh, you have kingdom come, but it just seems to, I, I don't know what the, the rhyme reason is, is to far, they're just matching different eras and, and having the battle. So it's, it's, it's like you're rolling the dice and that's, and that's cool. That would be neat. It, it just, I, it's falling a little short for me. The one thing I was, the one I was really looking forward to, which wasn't bad is, um, is the Suicide Squad one, which is, um, written by Frank Thierry and, and actually, uh, art by Tom Mandrake. And that is the, that, that's the Amanda Waller, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, Suicide Squad, um, where, uh, and, and they really feel like as close to the characters that I remember that Ostrander wrote back in the day. And, um, and Mandrake's art isn't like Luke McDonald's, but it is very similar in, in that regard. So it, it, it was somewhat comfortable. Um, but the characters aren't likable and not supposed to be, but the whole issue was basically general Sam Lane telling Amanda what needs to be done because the kingdom come version of green lantern. Now that the dome is open, uh, has set up his own private Oa above the planet 
and Lane wants the Suicide Squad to take him out, take it down, and um, and the whole issue is just setting that up and meeting the team, and that seemed to have just gone on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're not giving huge glowing recommendations here of all this stuff, but um, I I will say there are a few that 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 definitely stood out from the crowd for me. Uh, Hawkman number one, written by Jeff Parker with the aforementioned Tim Truman art. Great to see Tim Truman draw some superheroes. Uh, that oh, was especially a Hawkman. Yeah, right. He's got got a history. With no, I know. Character. I'm saying it's great to see him, you know, do that, and he's still got the chops. Um, so, so I enjoyed that, and I've read very little Hawkman in the past, but but what I saw here was cool. The other cool thing I liked about that one is, like I said, for most of the issues, the 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 heroes don't have their powers. Uh, in this one, that Hawkman and, and Shira do because it's not powers, right? It's the Emperor right, stuff. So, yeah. so there's still Hawkman and Hawk Girl, which is cool. Um, and, and again, that one really, I'm mainly praising it because of the art. Um, Wonder Woman number one, super out of nowhere because it's written by Larry Hama, which is my boy, and uh, art by Josh Middleton. Thought the art looked great. Um, I, I actually heard some people complain about this i dug it the most i I thought this this essentially is diana when she's in her white get up there like i guess the greg rucka like the white you know like that that white costume type of thing um she's living happily with steve trevor because again she doesn't have any powers at this point but but rather than letting it bother her she's basically become a community activist um and gets involved with a a a religious cult that uh, views her as a blasphemer um, and, and her powers come back in the middle of the story, which is great because then she actually can do something about the cult. Uh, and Edda James gets caught up in the cult who she's working closely with in this, uh, area. So I, I, I thought that one was a lot of, I, I, that one was fun. It wasn't at all what I expected it to be. Um, now when you say the, the white costume, you mean, is it a jumpsuit? Uh, like is, is it a one piece, like a zip up thing? No. Uh, well. Uh, because it sounds like the '60s one. No, maybe it, it is like the '60s one. Yeah, maybe it is. Because I'm not familiar with that. So well, maybe that's what it okay. Because it sounds like it might be the one that um, that the Dodsons drew. That um, yeah. that's what I was thinking that, it was based uh, off of. But it could be the '60s one, Vince. I, I I don't, as you know, I don't I don't know the the old. I, I don't know her character from back in the day. Well, right. I to say. Um, but but that so yeah, I could I, I it could be that. Um, I I really enjoy Justice Society of America number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Dan Abnett and art by Tom Derenick. Thought the art looked awesome. And again, the reason I like this one is even though it's the same conceit, he handled it in a different way. In this earth, the JSA, again, don't have their powers. And as a result, since they were already older golden age heroes, they're, they're, they're pretty decrepit now. They're, they're, the, 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 the lack of their powers has essentially put them on, on, on death's bed or, or near death's door. And they're just kind of coming to terms with that. One of them, I won't say who, because I don't want to for people that haven't read, is literally in a coma on death's bed. And another one of the heroes comes to visit him every couple of days, and um, they're essentially given like a strike force moratory thing. Um, oh, that's cool. like the powers come back, but they come back early, and the the guy that's on the deathbed has essentially in a, in a power. He 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 comes to the realization, I can use my powers to give all of us back our youth to fight this fight, but it's the last thing I essentially can do, given how old we are. If we're, if we do this, it's essentially going to burn out and we're going to die after. And so it's more Tory and they're like, all right, well, let's do it to save our, our city. Let's do it. So I thought that was terrific. And again, Darren, it gets mad. He, I thought he looked great and his art looked phenomenal in this. Um, 
Scranton represent? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I'm just trying to think of any others that stood out. Um, Batman and the Outsiders, uh, I'll, I'll take a pass on the story, but I, I once again are reminded that I think Carlos Donda is an excellent artist. I thought he looked great in Star Wars. I think he looked great here. Uh, and I hope to see him do more stuff, at least that I'm exposed to. Um, I, I probably the one I, I, I felt was the, the, the biggest whiff was Green Lantern Corps. Um, written by a couple Jersey, written and drawn by a couple Jersey guys, uh, uh, David Gallagher and Steve Ellis. So, um, but I, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling that one, <laughs> like on any level. Um, and, uh, I'll leave it at that. We've talked enough about this. I mean, it, if I, we were singing its praises, it might be worth going into more, but, but I, I'm still leaning towards reading the rest of them because I already have them and they're sitting here and I want to make sure I give all of them there. Cause, cause as I look back and I look at the list of some of the creators, I mean, there's still a lot of guys, uh, creators that interest me. Uh, Steve Pugh yep. and Phil Winslade, uh, do Harley Quinn. I haven't, I haven't sitting here. I haven't read it. Um, Gail Simone and Jan Dersma do Nightwing, uh, which is cool. The, uh, you've uh... Got, you mentioned Larry Hammer. Yeah. He also did um, The Shadow of the Bat. And I, okay. I started to flip through that one, but the uh, the art by Philip Tan and um, Rob Hunter and, and Jason Paz kind of just, I, I had to take a pass at it for now. Okay. Uh, I know Superman number one is written by Dan Jurgens with Lee Weeks art. Lee Weeks, so that's, yeah. You know, that that's intriguing to me. Um, you've got... Uh, Tom Mandrake on, oh, you mentioned on Suicide Squad. Um, but that's another one sitting here that's pile. And the, you know, David, I, I guess the Man of Steel one definitely the same thing with me. I was excited by it because it's Wheezy Simonson and June Brigman, which is like, all right, well, that's, I want to support that, right? I mean, I haven't, again, I haven't read that one yet, so I don't want to weigh in, but, but, uh, uh, and then, uh, Detective Len Wein and Dennis Cowan with Sinkevich. So that's, again, that's, I mean, there's some great creators. I mean, they really did put a great set of creators. And, oh, um, speaking of Cowan, he's also drawing the Batman and Robin issue and that has inks by, um, Klaus Jansen. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's, I don't want to say unfortunately, I know he has his fans. It's, it is Batman and Robin. So it is Damien as, as Robin. Um, and it's, uh, and it, it's, I get the sense of, of where they are in, in, in their story and, uh, Red Hood shows up and kind of saves the day and, and Damien just gets all butthurt because here's some guy who left Batman and, and now he comes in and, all, and he's just acting all, all jealous and, and whiny and I'm like, I could read, you know, an X-Men book for that. So I just, I, I put it down. Mm-hmm. So there you are. So convergence is what it is, folks. Um, again, I don't, I don't think any of us should have expected earth shattering stuff. This is not, this was a transitional event to help stem a logistical move on the company's part. So, um, it's not as though they professed that it would be anything profound, but, uh, yeah, you know, so cool. You know, you guys just had an O-Rama. I have an O-Rama of sorts. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hellboy O-Rama. Yes. I can't go too deep into this first one. It's uh BPRD number one thirty. Because to go very deep would spoil, uh, the ending and it is very, very big doings. Um, status quo changing big doings. Uh, at least as far as one character is concerned. So I will say, if, if you are a fan of Johan Krauss, I def, I definitely think you should read this issue. It was, uh, written by Mignola and Arcudi with art by Peter Snayberg. It's amazing. It looks so good. 
Colors by Dave Stewart. Uh, it's a big deal, so um, you should read it. And next up, I got Hellboy and the BPRD 1952, number five. And this is the last issue of the series. And uh, I've gone on record as to saying that um wasn't entirely captivated by Alex Maleev's artwork on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that. From the get-go. But um, I think he was saving it up for the last issue okay. because this... This last one is phenomenal. Okay. There, there are very few uh, instances of those uh, Maleev-isms that we've all come to to associate with the man. It, it, it's very free. It's, it's, it's actually, dare say, the loosest Maleev I've seen in a long time in terms of structure. It does, each panel doesn't look super planned, like you know a lot of his artwork does. There, there, he's he's using a lot of. Um, a lot of large spaces in this issue. There's a giant creature in it, which may be the reason why he's spreading the panels out and making them nice and big. But it's, I thought this issue was great. Uh, and it ended in a, in a way that, uh, I didn't expect. There's a, there's a little, little bit of, uh, intervention at the end. It was like, oh, I, that's cool. Uh, written by Mignola and Arcudi, art by Malieve and colors by Dave Stewart. But the real winner, in this uh, little grouping is uh, written by Mignola, art by the great Ben Stenbeck, and colors by Dave Stewart. Frankenstein Underground number two. Oh, there you go. Oh, my goodness. This issue is insane. It, it is basically a monster free-for-all. Uh, as the title suggests, uh, the Frankenstein monster does go underground. He is, is uh, plummeted deep underground he fights a giant nautilus um a very huge crab pterodactyls <laughs> nice there, there is a bioluminescent um uh, lizard type creature and that's not all i mean there's more to the story than that but the the poor frankenstein monster cannot catch a break there there's back and forth uh, as far as time frames in this issue and at one point He's in Austria in 1855, and he finds his way to this this very small church and sees a statue of uh, the Virgin Mother. Uh, now he's not necessarily a believer, but he's like, yeah, I've I've heard that you're the, the you know the Mother of God, and you know, do me a favor, if you have anything in you, just have mercy on me. Give, give me just a little bit of peace. As soon as he says it. This, uh, I guess the, the pastor, the, the priest breaks in and starts beating the shit out of him with a cane, calling him <laughs> a, an, an abomination. You know, your, your mere presence is an affront to God. <clears throat> and it, and then he gets that, uh, in, in the, well, the present day when the story takes place, he gets the same kind of treatment with this, this race of subterranean, uh, warriors. They start knocking the crap out of him and he's taken prisoner. It, it's just, it's an amazing issue. And Stenbeck, uh, who we saw in Baltimore for, for a lot of years, I don't think Stenbeck gets enough credit. This guy is a powerhouse. His, his creatures are phenomenal. The, the, the design, I, I had to warm up to the design for the Frankenstein monster mm-hmm. as presented in that, that one shot, the Mignola Corbin one shot with the huge, I don't know if they're, they're, um, like the the bolts that the the Frankenstein monster traditionally has on his neck, he now has these these access points all over his body. 
He's got a couple on his neck, some on his chest, on his arms. And I, I, I just had to warm up to that. But now I think it's a pretty smart design. It, it's, it's obviously grown on me over, over the, the, through the, the course of time. But, uh, man, the, this whole issue is just like a, a masterstroke from the color to the character design to the illustration. The story's great. It, if you're not on Frankenstein Underground, I suggest you do so. It is only a five-issue miniseries, so it's going to be here and it's going to be gone. It's not a huge investment. And uh, if you'd like to segue into the Mignolaverse, I think this is a really good way to do it because it's a classic character, one of the most classic characters. So there's there's the learning curve is not too steep, and you will get, a, a, you know, a a slug's eye view into what makes the Mignolaverse tick, the kind of storytelling uh, to which we're presented each and every month. I mean, it's just great stuff. So is it all all around? It, I, I I have those. I just haven't read them yet. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it sounds like it's. I mean, not that Hellboy is always a straight book, but um, it sounds like it's more comical. So tonally, is it more like Screw on Head than it is Hellboy, or is it more like the tone in no. Hellboy and BPRD? No, it's really bleak. Okay, it's, there's, really bleak. There's, okay. There, yeah, there's there's no comedy in it. Okay. Well, I mean, well, the way you're, maybe, I mean, being being beaten by the priest after he begs what, Mary for mercy is kind of funny, right? I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a sardonic kind of black okay. humor, I guess. But, but okay. no, there, there's there's uh, in terms of the actual aesthetics of the book, there's very little light. It's there's there's really no hope for this character. Gotcha. He's just wandering around, ostracized by basically everyone, including God, it seems. Uh, it, it is the Frankenstein monster. Woe is me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't, I didn't petition, you know, the Baron to, to bring me into this world. Why must I endure this crap? Every time I turn around, somebody's either trying to burn me, or, you know, or yeah. just like take me out. It's just, it's a very bleak existence. And, uh, Mignol and Arcudi are awesome at that. I mean, <laughs> The hell, the, just the, the whole BPRD universe is just fucking dark as hell. Yeah, for sure. Even even um, Abe Sapien, the last Abe Sapien, he he is taking on the characteristics of the Frankenstein monster. Abe is being ostracized by everyone. Even Grace, the the that five part um, arc that that uh, it just concluded the last issue. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the the number of the Abe Sapien, but it was it was Abe does something out of. Um, out of he he acts out of instinct and ends up basically turning everyone away from him. Like maybe these rumors of of Abe being at the the nexus of of all this shit um, with the frogs. Uh, you know he looks like him. Maybe he's one of them. Maybe there's more truth to that than than even Abe wants to believe. But yeah. he he kind of burns his bridge with um, with Grace at the end. I think I think that's kind of my. I mean, for as much as I love that the whole Mignola verse, I mean, I love all of it, but I had to kind of step away from it for kind of that reason, just the bleakness of it all. I mean, I like that, and there's, I mean, there's a lot, aesthetically, there's a lot that's really rewarding and pleasing about that kind of world, but sometimes with, like you're saying, like with stuff like Abe and we're like, you know, and if you're saying, what you're saying, you know, what it sounds like is going on with Frankenstein, where you just can't ever win, like... At a certain point, I just kind of get fatigued with that. I'm like, okay, please, like, just step out of the darkness for a moment. Um, right. So I, right. I, I can't. I mean, that's that's why I'm so far behind on those things. I guess it's just I love the darkness, but at a certain moment, I'm like, ugh. 
makes you feel grimy at a certain point, you know. It 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 kind of does, yeah. but I mean, I I think there's a there's a method to their madness. I mean, it's yeah. always it's always darkest before the dawn, right? Right. Well, and I think the advantage that that the Mignolaverse has over. I mean, I had, I had a similar reaction to. Um, for as much as I love Ed Brubaker, I had a similar reaction to Brubaker's Daredevil. It just got to a point with that book where I'm like, all right, like I just can't do this anymore. But at least with the Mignolaverse stuff, like I feel like there, like you're, like you said, I mean, there is that light at the end of the tunnel. There's something there to sort of lighten the mood or, or some, you know, you know, dawn that's that's just over the just over the horizon. So right, and um, we really, I mean, we usually see the the uh, the odd. Ag- Agdru Hem, but we we haven't really seen the Agdru Jihad in a mm-hmm. while, and you're wondering like what's going on? Is there, there's got to be this this huge conflagration in in the in the the planning stages because Hellboy is you know out of the picture in quotes, but he still has the right hand. Right. So that's going to be really crucial to get. I think that's going to be a, the next major storyline. Is I mean we know Hellboy's not going to stay out of the picture forever. It's just not going to happen. So when 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 he comes back, maybe he'll have a little bit more insight into just what he can do with that the the right hand. And I I think I think there's going to be a, a the the scales are going to tip in favor of the the BPRD very soon. I think and soon in the Mignolaverse, meaning within the next two to three years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. Right. I'm so, I, I love BPRD, but I am so chronically behind because I got started so oh, late. So every, every couple of months, I'll pull another trade out. But I, I mean, I have every, I I buy all of it and trade and I have it all. But uh, but I, I'm I'm at least I, I'm I'm just before Hell on Earth starts. So mm. what's that? Three years? A long time. Yeah, yeah, you have a you have a lot of issues. Too. No, that's what I mean. The, yeah. the 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 relationships that you're reading right now are very very strained at this point. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Kate and Liz and Abe and and Hellboy, I mean they they don't have the, that same connection or or bond that they did way back. And then the same with with Johan and uh um what's the old lady's name? Damn it. Uh, uh yeah, you know what I mean, but it's yeah. it's the, the things are very very strange. Well, the 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 creatures are now Emerging, I mean, they're, they're, they're ripping the planet apart. So it's, it's like kaiju free for all. And the, the BPRD is strange. Cities have been cut off. It, it's, it's basically the apocalypse, but isolated in, in, in these little pockets of a, a po- apocalypse. So the BPRD is going where it can. And, um, it's, 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 it's not a good scene. It's, it's, it's not. And, and the relationships are suffering as a result. As you will see in BPRD 130. I mean, it's a, it's a turning point, so, so to speak. So, it, and Galdenar, what's his name? Um, uh, that, that character, uh, Howard's, he's a powerhouse. I mean, if you read the, the BPRD arc before the, the, this, this new one, he's amazing. That guy can take out basically anything. And he's one man with that friggin' sword. Uh, so, I, there's a, a lot to love about the Mignolaverse. It, it, I do admit, though, it uh, it is very dark and uh, it, it it's not a not the feel good book. You know, it, it's not Amazing Spider-Man. So okay. take that with a grain of salt. But if I had to pick my favorite, I would be hard pressed to do so. 
between Frankenstein Underground and BPRD and Abe Sapien and, um, you know, the, the odd Hellboy book, they're all of really high quality consistently. So I would say all of them are my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, Dark Horse is getting really smart. They're doing these BPRD one shots within the pages of Dark Horse Presents. So, you know, they're, they're trying to spin the love into the, into their anthology book, which is smart. Um, but I noticed that the month that the, uh, Abe Sapien story is appearing in Dark Horse Presents, there's no Abe Sapien monthly. So if that's a conscious effort, I, I don't know if I like that, but we'll see. I mean, I buy them both anyway. So I'm just pissing up a drain pipe, mm-hmm. but, um, for non Dark Horse Presents readers, that may be a bit of a stretch to spend four ninety nine on a character they're only gonna read eight pages at the best at the most. So well that remains to be seen. We'll keep an eye on that. I have another book I want to rave about, but I'll do it later. <laughs> what a tease. Yeah. Because it's only one issue, but man, whoo was it great. Later. We'll do it later. <laughs> Mr Mr. Crucy. Hey, I got one. You, I got you do. I do. Wow. Well, what well, is it? Um I think I think almost every time I've been on the show with you guys, or pretty close, to, yeah, almost every time, uh, I've mentioned um, Eric Powell's The Goon because I just uh, that book is because someone has I'm, to, yeah, somebody has to, right? It's got to, it's got to meet its quota. Um, but um, but I didn't want to talk about The Goon. I wanted to talk about this uh, book that he just uh, put out through Image, Big Man Plans with Tim Weish. Have you guys Ooh. talked? Um, have you guys read or seen anything about this? No. The, the preview oh. pages I, I read uh, lend, lent me to believe that it's a very foul book. Uh, you know, I don't think that it is. Uh, oh, really? I was looking forward to foul. I mean, it's it's mildly foul, uh, but I mean, it's I mean, for what I what I presume Vince B would consider foul, it's not. Yeah, foul. that's a str- right. Okay, right. so uh, it's not it's not crossed. No, no. I mean, it's certainly not crossed. I mean, I don't find it foul at all. I mean, there's, you know, there's moments of depravity in it, but I mean, it's not really that depraved. Um, but anyway, um, the premise is, is that it's a little person and, uh, or the main character is a little person who goes by big man. Um, and he's just, he, the story takes place in 1979 and he's coming back from, where he's living in Brooklyn to his uh, hometown in Tennessee to basically take care of business. And what business is, we don't actually know at this point. It's just two out of the four issues are in. Um, but uh, so he heads back to Tennessee to, you know, take care of business and, and disrupt sort of these corrupt cops and that sort of thing that are happening there. It's very much, while I was reading it, it's very much like um, the feel that Southern Bastards has, um, except instead of a huge geriatric it's a little person um so 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 anyway so so the first couple issues it's sort of just setting it up with this character big man and he's you know he's growing up in the 50s and 60s and he's just getting the shit beat out of him like every day um because he's you know he's different he's little and uh, his mother hates him and um that she she leaves that she leaves because she's just so um 
she, her son can't live up to, you know, her expectations. So she leaves and, uh, you know, there's more tragedy involved because after the mother leaves, the dad turns to drinking and then dies and that sort of thing. So he's just lost. Um, and has nowhere else to go. So he, uh, he goes to, um, he goes, he goes to sign up to be, uh, in, in the U.S. Army to go fight in Vietnam. They won't take him because he's, a, because again, he's a little person. But as he's walking out of the building, uh, this sort of shadowy CIA type looking guy grabs him and says, Hey, look, I need you for these, you know, these operations because we're fighting all of these, you know, we're fighting the Viet Cong in tunnels and I need someone like you to go down in the tunnels and, you know, kill them and do that and do what normal sized people can't do. So he's, so he's basically a tunnel rat. And he goes down there and he, with, uh, with a pistol that's outfitted with shotgun shells and he's just blasting away at Viet Cong and chopping them up in just this horrific fashion. Um, and gets out, uh, he gets out of Vietnam and it just is not well adjusted, um, for fairly obvious reasons. Oh. And, um, so he's not very well adjusted, but he's still, he's still kind of got like this Tyrion Lannister thing going on where he's not well uh-huh. adjusted. He knows that who he is and he, and he, he accepts who he is and he accepts that other people will never accept him, but he still manages to get plenty of tail and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, it's a very Tyrion Lannister type vibe. Um, and then eventually he makes his way back home to Tennessee and, and hijinks ensue. Um, it's, Really fairly bleak. Um, speaking of bleak books, Vince, um, it's really fairly bleak so far. But I guess similar to what you're saying with like the Mignola verse um, comics, I mean, there does appear to be hopefully some sort of light at the end of the tunnel at this. Um, because for as much as this character is just sort of abused and and, um, and as misanthropic as as he is, uh, he still has this sort of core set of principles and that's just to basically to not die and to i mean it, it, which sounds which sounds i guess on its surface sounds a little silly but i mean that's it's it's something that he promised his father that he wouldn't give up like whatever obstacles you know came his way whatever abuses and and, and tortures and torments he suffered that he wouldn't give in to that and wouldn't you know you know end his life or, or do something, um, do something that someone else would regret, I guess. Um, so, so he has this sort of driving force that where he's trying, he's going to eventually do the right thing and not just like avenge his father's death, but just sort of, um, let's say fix, <laughs> fix the people that abused him and abused his friends and family. Um, so, I mean, that's basically, that's basically what's going on with the narrative. It's really beautifully drawn, um, because it's, it's Eric Powell, uh, and he's got all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's typical Powell type fare where he's, he's sort of got a blend of where he's, I mean, there's, he's inking every now and then, but there's a lot of like stuff where he's doing the Gene Colon thing where he almost like paints with pencils, you know, um, right, right. which he just does to just, um, you know, a masterful effect. Um, so it's just a, it's a really gorgeous book to look at and, um, it's the 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 sort of the color palette too is very much in line with what you see like in in the later issues of the goon and um you know lots of grays and greens and 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 tans and that sort of thing to sort of set the tone for the world um and this Tim Weish character who's writing the book with Powell I have no idea who this person is um 
Uh, so I'm not sure if it's his first foray into writing comics or not, but I'm really impressed with the dialogue and how he's setting things up. Um, because I, if I'm being honest, when I saw the, the previews for this book, I knew I was going to order it because Powell was attached, but it also seemed like it was going to be a bit gimmicky, um, because it's a little person named Big Man. It just, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have a visceral response, but I was like, how, where are we going with this? Um, <laughs> but, but it, but it turns out to be, it's, it's turned out to be, uh, really, really good. Um, and there's, there's the, the character's sort of disability, I guess if you want to call it that, um, is really more of a plot device than a character trait, if that makes any sense. Um, it's just it's just a function of the plot just to get the character in a certain position so he can develop and and and, and do you know what he has to do. Um, but anyway, it's really really good. Uh, it's only there's only four issues to it, so I guess this will be wrapping up pretty soon. The third issue should be out um, relatively soon. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just fantastic. I really really liked it. And um, I wish that I had read this. Or I wish I had read these prior to being at C2E2 last weekend, so I could have said something to Powell about it or uh, asked for pages or something. Um, but it's really good. Well, how many issues have come out to date? One or two? Two. Oh, two. cool. Yeah, that, that's fast for Powell. Oh yeah, no, that's why well, I think I'm not sure. Uh, I was reading the back matter, and it almost sounds like they had these basically in the can before they went to Image. Ah, so. Uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially for Eric Powell because he's just slow as molasses. Um, and uh, just getting stuff out on time is just craziness. Um, and he has a goon book coming out concurrently with this. So if he's got two books coming out at the same time, then surely one was finished first. For real. So, yeah. Uh, I, I it, really it, like, no, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, it's, I mean, and the fact that it's only four issues has to help him too. So I really like Powell's stuff. But the goon kind of wore on me after a while. Um, like you were saying about BPRD, mm-hmm. the goon, the goon is kind of like, um, Gru. Uh, yeah. like, uh, Eva, uh, Evanier and, and Sergio's Gru. It's really well done, but there's a sameness to, I don't want to say formulaic, but, uh, Gru gets into a, a sticky situation. Gru's really stupid. He kind of bumbles, bungles his way into a, a relatively peaceful solution and onto the next adventure, you know, and it's, but the dialogue is always really good. The art is fantastic on both of them, like Paul and Sergio. I really like their stuff, but after a while, like um, Sergio and Mark have a three part grew story in the past couple, uh, well, the past three dark horse presents. And at the end of the third uh, chapter, I was like, yeah, I think I'm good for Gru, uh, for another 10 years. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but it was, it wasn't unlike any Gru story I've read to date. It, it was basically more of the same. Right. Which, again, not a bad thing, but. No, but it wears thin. I, and, and I, no, I, I think that's a really good criticism of, of, you know, of Powell on the Goon, especially, especially the early volumes. I mean, Okay, I mean, you, you kind of get it, right? I mean, he's gonna punch it. Somebody's gonna say something, you know, you know about being stabbed in the eye, and 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 then that's gonna be it. And like you said, on to the next adventure. Uh, I think there's right. some. I think there's some growth that happens along the way where things sort of change. Like, um, I'm not sure if you read Miss Chinatown and Mister Wicker, um, 
but that's no. a that's a real you're talking about turning points that's a real turning point for Powell and the character um the story the story becomes much more dramatic and much more of um it, it becomes much more of a, like a, a complete narrative as opposed to just sort of the episodes that happened before um right. and, and after after that point the book sort of shifts um and the the comedy's still there but there's but it, there are more narrative elements it's not as repetitive but um but but right. there's still those tropes that he just comes back to over and over and over again um you know yeah and and I guess that can be said for a lot of books but um it it just became for me that the the phenomenal art wasn't enough and i i buy very few books just for the art because Today, you're talking four bucks a pop. And I did notice that all the Convergence books are three ninety nine. Yeah. While, while you guys were talking about that. But, for, you know, even with the discount, for me to, to drop two fifty something on a, on a book just to look at it, it has to be someone really amazing, like an Art Adams book. Right. Well, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I guess I, I think that if I was... If I had, if I didn't have sort of the emotional attachment I do to the character, right. then then I would probably be saying the exact same thing that you are because I kind of feel the same way about the Hellboy universe too. Uh, right. For as right. much as I love it, I just I, I don't have the I, I feel like I can drift in and out of that. You know, that's what I'm saying. I can take I can take a break from that for six months and come back and get caught up because there is that sort of just bleak sameness to it um, where I just I, I think I, it has a I, lot to. You're right. It has a lot to do with personal investment. Look at me. 251 issues of Spawn. Mm-hmm. There was there was a lot of inertia, especially the past couple years. Um, so I, you know, I guess it's just how much you've um, how, your, your experience with the title. I mean, if you're there from the beginning, chances are really good. Uh, you, you've experienced a lot of good years. It's going to propel you through, you know, a good number of of successive. Yes, right. I guess too. Well, I think that's just. I think. I guess on a certain level, I think kind of what we're talking about though is just kind of the plight of the comic book fan, though, right? I mean, sure. if, you're, yeah. if you're someone who loves Spider-Man and you've been reading Spider-Man for say 20 years, I mean, there is. I mean, again, there's a sameness there. I mean, for for as excited as I get and a <laughs> lot of people get about different arcs and different writers coming on and doing various things, I mean, there is a sort of sameness there. There's there's not going to be a lot of surprises, and even the surprises are, you know, they're, they're pockets of surprises where you, you experience them and then you set them aside and then you're waiting for the next surprise. And I mean, it's just this sort of cyclical, you know, nature of it, I guess. So... Yeah, I don't think I'd use amazing as the example for that. Well, I just, I just <laughs> you know, yeah. Top of my head. It's, it's a, that's always that's, awesome for that, me. That's the well, Ditko fan saying that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's, it's, I mean, I think you could say it about any book, though. I mean, it, you could. And, and, and it doesn't make the book less great or less awesome, right? I'm just saying we, we sort of develop these attachments to certain characters and we'll just stick it out good and bad and even when they're doing the same things over and over and over again or it feels like they're doing the same thing over and over and over again we're going to hang out because we love you know who, you know that character or we love that moment or we love that world so much that you just kind of say fuck it let's just read it just tell me the next story you're right but anyway gentlemen do we do we have anything to to add to to Mr. Crucy's um soliloquy there no i'm not a i'm not a eric powell guy i don't uh, i don't know most of his work so 
Same here. Wow. I do have the, the first goon, first couple goons. Uh, Zach, do you have those? Uh, no, I don't have the first few. Like the, like the early hmm. stuff, like the Albatross stuff. Yeah, those yeah, are the I ones I have. I don't have, I have the fourth issue of the Albatross stuff, but I don't have the first like two or three. Christmas present. Ooh, ooh la la. Scratch you off my list. You spoil me. David, you're, you're relatively quiet. What's going uh, on? Well, I've been sick, so I'm just, I'm watching I'm the NFL draft. That's, that's it. I'm, I'm at, I'm at <laughs> yeah. Jason's house, so yeah. What? <laughs> Hanging out with my boo. Dicks. Uh, David, do you, do you have anything to tell us? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. He seems so, so, um, no, so fatigued when he's asked to talk about it. Like, really? Oh. Uh, we're doing this tonight? He's been sick. Um, actually, I was, I was quite surprised because, um, before I came upstairs, Renee's like, I'm going to go in the living room and watch TV. And I follow her and she goes, and and she hits the uh, the Amazon Fire Stick, and and yeah, I wish. And she goes to Netflix, and she's like, "Wait, why is it the first episode again?" I'm like, "Because we saw all." T- she was looking for more Daredevil. Hilarious! Oh, I'm like, we I saw that all woman. thirteen episodes. What I love that woman. She's oh like, damn! Oh, I'm like, yeah, we finished it before Jason did. It's all good. Ha. So, um, well, she makes she makes time for what's important. That is true. Uh. I read Deadly Class number 12. a boy. Uh, which was fucking balls out crazy. Yes. Um, still Dude, consistently fantastic. It's, it's, Wes uh, Craig in the house. Oh my God. He's killer. It, it's still beautifully illustrated by Wes Craig. Uh, Rick Remender is telling this crazy story. Um, and and we have a nice little recap of the story so far page at the beginning and and it it really does get you all up to uh, up to speed and then the last page is a i i if if this was a a movie or something i was actually watching and and i would have had my i'd have been a gape a few times i just I, I couldn't every time you think you might be able to catch your breath uh remender has it so that these and and the way craig draws the action and and you turn the page it's just it's really well laid out really well thought out um the uh the class the students it's it's nuts man i don't know what the last issue you read was vince but it's um they i think 10 I think. okay so i mean we're obviously um you know fuck faces in the picture and and mm-hmm. you know and his psychopathic inbred family uh, are, are not doing nice things to, uh, to people. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mess. It's, it's so, um, you'd think it'd be convoluted, but it was really a, uh, the way everything came together with, um, what Fuckface had planned with, um, with, it, I know, it, it's, I, I just, it, it, he, um, there's the, uh, it ties back to the first arc or the end of the first arc with, um, or I'm sorry, with the second arc with Chico's death, uh, I suppose for people who were two years behind, you have, um, uh, Marcus actually, th- th- there are some really tender-ish moments with, with, um, with, with Marcus and, and Maria, uh, and, and basically talking out what, uh, what they've kind of been putting each other through. Um, 
and you say tenderish, meaning about as tender as deadly class is ever. Yeah, say, yeah, it's which, which means basically social. They they share a um they share a bus ride and and it's um he kind of basically just just he's he's extremely guilty he's coming clean and and Maria is is extremely understanding about it all um kind of expected it. Uh, wish it didn't happen, but it did. And, and, uh, basically, you know, by the time they're done talking, you just figure they're, they're going to be for the better of it. And, um, and it, you're kind of left with, with, with somewhat of a good feeling between the two of them and how they can, they can move on from here. Um, but the crazy thing is, is that, uh, Chico's, when Chico's family shows up to exact revenge, uh, on what, Maria and, and her friends did to uh, Chico were introduced to Chico's brother and and I'm not going to really say too much about him except that uh, he is, well, as, as far as Maria is concerned, terrifying and he is the one you have to look out for and uh, he is... Reminiscent of Machete. Yeah, 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 I would say so. It, he is... Don't <laughs> he is a, um, he's not someone to be uh, to be fucked with, really. It, it's it it was it, it's a fantastic issue. I, I can't believe it's only been twelve issues because so much has happened. Uh, but it's been just a one hell of a fun ride, and and I still recommend Deadly Class, and it will probably find itself somewhere on um, on the eleven o'clock, which just because it it is. It, it's that damn good. It, it's, it looks amazing. It's every time you just think you can kind of maybe catch your breath for a second, you really can't. Um, Remender is really putting, I, it, it, it's been said, you know, he, he's written that a lot of this is from life experiences. So it, it's, he's really putting himself on the page here and it shows. And, and I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a fantastic, I think it's a stronger book because of it. And uh I, don't want to go page by page on this, but there, there's just, there's so much in especially issue 12 that, that you can really have fun with. So I, um, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for if you haven't been reading Deadly Class, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> what the hell are Seriously, you waiting for? Jeez. Jason, do you have anything to uh, talk about? Uh, yeah. or should no, I? No, I got a little something that, uh, nice. I, wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to just, uh, wallow in the stuff that, that, that necessarily didn't float my boat. Um, Mr. Patrick Zercher, who we mutually follow one another on the, tw- on the Twitters, he posted some artwork, uh, a couple weeks back that I was astounded by. And it was from a book he was grooving on, um, at the time. So I followed his lead and ordered the first two volumes of it. And this is, uh, some Bon Dessinet, some Belgian comics that, uh, Back originally originally written back in 1967, the first two volumes of the Valerian and Lauraline series. Um, the first volume is called The City of Shifting Waters, and the second volume is The Empire of a Thousand Planets. So, Ooh, sounds yeah, cool. Yeah, so so um, like I said, this was created back in 67 uh, by Jean Claude. Excuse me for folks that speak French. I don't uh, Mezier. And Pierre Christian, uh, who were lifelong ch- uh, childhood friends that that uh, crafted this this uh, this story and started putting it out in uh, in, in a magazine back then, um, 
syndicate, you know, in a serialized form. Uh, and then it's been reproduced many, many times over the years. It's considered by many to be one of the top five Bond Destination series of all times. There were 21 volumes in all, lasted all the way into, uh, 2010. So, you know, the series lasted for more than 40 years in, in all of its incarnations. It, um, it, uh, it, it, it's the look and feel of this book, um, led very much to, uh, a lot of the things we see in Star Wars. Um, actually the, uh, these guys were the set designers for Fifth Element. Uh, nice. for, uh, so, so you get a sense of what it was like in that. Yes. Uh, um, yes. Kristen's also, uh, done a lot of work with, uh, Jacques Tardy, another big, uh, one of our, our favorites. Right. Um, and this book just by way of reference won the, uh, the, the grand prize at, uh, Angoulême way back in 1984. So very, very heralded stuff, but, but stuff admittedly I wasn't much aware of until I saw Zercher post the, uh, the artwork. So what's it about? Um, was well, the name again, Valerian and Lauraline essentially is a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sci-fi time travel buddy cop, uh, book. Uh, Valerian is a, um, uh, he looks kind of like, um, his name is, I, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, but, uh, the, the star of Twin Peaks, uh, um, Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He looks like Kyle McLaughlin. He, he is, uh, an adventurer, a specio, uh, time cop, um, and his uh, running mate is a beautiful redheaded woman named Laura Lean, who is super smart and capable. Uh, essentially, this starts in the future, 20th century, um, in a place called Galaxity, which is the capital of the Terran Empire. Um, and Valerian and Laura Lean essentially are part of a group of cops that have to travel through time to protect mankind from rogue would be time, you know, people that would go in different parts of time and mess up the time stream. So in the first volume, uh, they're sent back to New York City in 1986, going after a guy named Zambul, who is uh, essentially one of the most villainous people from their timeline. Uh, and they're, they're, the, city, the city of Shifting Waters is New York City. Essentially, New York City has been flooded. So they have to uh, deal with that and try and come across... Uh, Zambul. Um, and then Empire of a Thousand Planets, uh, is essentially, um, a completely different setup. This is in a place called, uh, uh, Sirt, which is a, a, a different planet. Um, and, uh, essentially they're, they're sent there on a, on a mission to determine if, uh, if the people of Sirt are, are a danger, a, a, you know, danger to our, our own existence. But, um, super fun stuff. The, 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 the art is, um, it's interesting. So that the characters like Valerian and Laura Lee and all the other, all the characters are straight out of, uh, the mad magazine camp, not quite Jack Davis, but the same cartoony stylized, um, you know, bony need, uh, slack jawed look, right? I mean, it's this, it's, it's, you definitely, if, if you're familiar with mad, um, you're going to look at these characters and it's going to feel right at home. But the backgrounds, the vehicles, the buildings, the skies are hyper detailed and hyper realistic. So it's this really fascinating juxtaposition, and I can see why um, artistically this is considered such such grand stuff with such a long life. Um, you know, the more you describe uh-huh. this, I sw- I swear this was in heavy metal. Oh, I think some of it was reprinted in heavy metal, yeah, for sure. It's got a long publishing history. The ones I have are by Cinebook. Um, and my understanding is these copies, and I don't know when they were printed, are the first English translated 
versions of this. Um, so, so I don't know, like, I guess at least in this form. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know, again, I don't, I don't want to say for sure that it was heavy metal, but I, I do know when I was first looking into this before I even pre-ordered after I saw the, the Zercher posts that this has definitely had a lot of different publishing histories for sure. Um, okay. so, but there are a ton of volumes of this. Um, I believe Cinebook has at least six of them. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. The art is phenomenal. They have a great relationship. It's, uh, it's very tongue in cheek. They're very acerbic. It's whimsical. They, 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 their lives are in danger at all times, but it's, um, it's it's not in the sense of this harrowing thing. It's it's much more in the sense of a campy, almost Flash Gordon sci-fi adventure. Where sure they're they're being shot at, or sure their lives are in danger, but they're they're swashbucklers. They they always have an answer. So it's it's you never really get a sense that they're in danger or that there's a lot of uh, of drama. Um, it's more high adventure, and uh, mm-hmm. it was really light and 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 airy and action packed. Um, and it's a little titillating, um, but nothing overt. I mean, this isn't serpieri or or uh you know there's nothing like that i mean this is this is uh more pg-13 than than anything um and uh oh, Guido Quipa. yeah just just a lot, but a lot of fun the character designs are great um and uh it was a super quick both of them were super quick reads so uh i gotta give a hat tip to zercher for turning me on to this and uh um you know if if you're curious about european comics uh, I thought these were great, and and it's not, you know, I'll, I'll be upfront. These are not the, this is not the least, uh, the most inexpensive thing. Um, each of these Cine books were twelve dollars, and they're, uh, I think they're roughly forty six pages each. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's, you're, if you're looking for value per page per se, you know, rec- recognize that this is not, you know, you're not, this isn't buying a guidebook and getting a ton of comics for the cheap. Um, these are more like art books, um, and you're going to pay, you're going to pay up for them, but man, I'll tell you what, uh, I dug them the most. And I think that the other cool thing about this is it's the kind of book I think that a lot of different types of people would enjoy. Um, uh, it's very accessible, very, very accessible. So, um, you know, I know that, uh, we're all, uh, we're all fans of, of, uh, like meta barons and, and, and stuff of that ilk for sure. Right. But it's also fair to say that that stuff's very, uh, I don't want to say inaccessible, but it's, it's, it's of a certain, it's, it's of a certain depth and, uh, and, and it's got a, a certain philosophical approach to it that I don't think is necessarily, makes it necessarily an easy read for lots of people. So mm-hmm. this is the same kind of setting from the same era and the same style of book, but on a much more surface level written for the masses, if you know what I'm saying. So, so yeah. big winner, a uh, big, big winner and a nice surprise. Just a total hidden gem here. So, uh, again, it's, uh, it's the series called Valerian and Laura Lean. You can, uh, probably find this in a million different ways, but, uh, but the, the ones I'm talking about are from Cinebook and, uh, uh, yeah. So check it out. Cool. Yeah. Really good stuff. Uh, cross was mentioned. How far are you guys on cross plus 100? Not very still early. Just on. the first Two, three, first three issues. Yeah, okay. that's where I'm well, at too. I won't say anything other than I'm up to five. I mm-hmm. think Fuch gets dirty. <laughs> Fuch gets a gets a groove on big time. Ooh, um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Um, but the, the, <laughs> the book I did want to talk about, and if I can sum up this book in a sound, mm-hmm. it would be. 
Woo! Oh. This book is this book is awesome. Everything about this friggin' book is awesome. It is published by Black Mask, created by Alexi Zirit and Fabian Rangel Jr. It's illustrated, and when I say illustrated, I mean pencils, inks, and color by Alexi Zirit. It was written by Fabian Rangel Jr. Letters by Ryan Ferrer, Ferrier, um, and it's called Space Riders. It's a four-issue miniseries, the first of which I have read. And it is Screw Book of the Month. This is the best thing I've read all year. Whoa. Yes. Jason, you'll hate it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, when it starts, there's this massive space battle against the Norax Armada. Uh, Captain Pil- I'm sorry, yeah, I, Capitan. I, I, just, I just raved about No, 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 no. Capitan Peligro uh, is betrayed by one of his own. Stabbed right in the eye, through his space helmet, into the eye. Ugh, he's bleeding. His first mate did it. This dude called Hammerhead. And he's dumped into the cold void of space to die. See ya, fucker. But while he's out there, he's he's like in and out of consciousness. Uh, and he thinks of his, his father telling him, dude, you're not dying now. Get up and kill. And, and he has just enough energy left to trigger his tracking beacon. Boop. And his ship comes to rescue him. And his ship is called the Santa Muerte. It is a giant human skull-shaped ship. And, and the mouth opens. And it swoops in and he's saved and he's patched up by Yara, this, this Soriyama inspired female robot. She's got the boobies. She's got the little antennas on both sides of the head. It's, it's basically a Soriyama inspired design. It's, it's, it's pretty blatant. She, she patches him up. She gives him these cybernetic parts and, and he's on the mend, but his parade is pissed on by Colonel Conley. You gotta see this guy. He is a scarred, anthropomorphic white tiger with a metal jaw. And he tells him, sorry, Peligro, but your psych profile didn't pan out. You are suspended from the EISF for one year. And, you know, Capitan Peligro, and Peligro means danger in Spanish, in case you didn't know. Um, he goes, lays low for a while. He He's out in the boonies, you know, drinking. His credits have run out. Can't buy any more swill. Just then, Mono, a space mandrel, shows up. Now, if you're going to go anthropomorphic and you pick a mandrel, my heart belongs to you. Because I love the damn mandrels when they're not, you know, chafed all up in the ass region. But so Mono shows up and he says, look it, you have to make yourself good with the EISF again. And I know how to do it. Yara's with him. He says, you gotta prove yourself, but there's a couple catches. You got three of them, three catches. You, you have to complete three missions without requesting reinforcements. That's number one. B, you cannot stray from standard operating procedures. None of this blowing shit up and, and, you know, you know, uh, scorched earth policy. You have to play by the rules. And number three, you cannot have any contact with Hammerhead. Your, your former first mate. So, uh, Peligro says, alright, game on. Let's do this. While they're doing this, the shit hits the fan. They are accosted by 
a band of Vikers. What do you think Vikers are? What does it sound like to you, Vikers? They're Viking space bikers. Huh. Yes. <laughs> and, and, they and they, 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 uh, come upon the Santa Muerte and they start raising hell. And in the middle of the battle, Yara kicks the warp drive in. Stupid. Because she left some alive. Now these, these Vikers are going to pursue, right? Yes. Peligro's not pleased. But anyway, he can't really do anything about it because they're in warp space. And while they're in warp space, each character, um, suffers the the um the mental effects of traveling through the warp uh each hallucinate different things i won't say you got to read it but uh it's a really cool sequence because what zirit does he he kicks the line art plate uh there's there's a there's a black line art plate but there's also a colored line art plate and he kicks it a little bit to the right so you get this faux 3D looking effect. It's amazing. Most of the book is done in flat color, which really won me over. There, there's only one or two gradations in the entire book. Everything else, flat color. And the colors, magenta, cyan, uh, there, there are other colors, but the magenta and the cyan are at the forefront. It looks unlike most stuff on the stage. It is awesome looking. It's amazing. It's got a, uh, an underground kind of, Risograph kind of look to it, but I mean, it's, it's, ex- it would be extensive Risograph printing, but, uh, it, it's very, very unique looking book. Let's just put it at that. I won't say anything else about the book because I don't want to spoil too much, but let's do the, the laundry list of cool things in this book. Viking space bikers straight out of, uh, last of the Viking heroes by Jack Kirby. It's very Kirby influenced. The whole book is Kirby influenced. It's also very Paul Pope influenced. Um, when, 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 uh, Peligro is out, um, in the boonies drinking, he's accosted by a dude named Roy, <laughs> who is pretty much Michael Landon from I Was a Teenage Werewolf in a spacesuit. <laughs> and, and most of these characters in this book, now that I think about it, would not be out of place in the lineup of bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. That's how good the designs of these characters are. And um, since we're being, since I'm being honest, um, I am a card carrying, carrying Space Riders fanatic. I have the Space Riders embroidered patch uh-huh. that I bought. I love this book. I mean, even before it was published, I saw the art going up on the Facebook, and Zirit would, you know. He'd tweet or put on the Facebook, hey, I got this. I, I was on the patch. Mint, I saw it. This book is amazing. I think the first issue has sold out, if I'm correct. Uh, maybe it'll go to a second printing. I don't know. It, it, if you're it's lucky. available digitally, though. Ah, there's that. But, uh, if you want people to read you know, it. You want, yes, I want people to read it, but you, you know, this is a book, hard copy. Ah, the, it, it looks so good. The, the werewolf cries at one. He's not a real werewolf, but I'm just saying the werewolf guy cries at one point. So you're gonna, you're not gonna see a crying werewolf every, everywhere. So get in on this. It, it is my book of the month so far of the year. Space Riders number well, one. I'm confused. Why wouldn't I enjoy this book? Because I mentioned Mister Zero once, and you're like, I mentioned this book <laughs> once, and you're like, nah, I don't know. You know, I'm digging when my friends are enjoying stuff. So you may have seen it. You had a formulated opinion of it somewhere. Maybe you're just placating me. Or 
chest. Yeah, I mean, all I know is that, uh, I mean, I've shook the man's hand and plan on hanging out with him in June at Heroes because I'm a boss. Um, so I don't know what you're talking about. So, so you were just shutting me up. That's what Probably. it was. Probably. I mean, it's, it's such yeah. hard to do. So I do it. You just shut me up. Whatever tools I have, that's, I use at my disposal. That's not cool, dude. That's yeah. not cool at all. I mean, Daph and I know what's up, so we'll be saying what's up to him in June and right. talking to him about the book. You'll be, uh, well, here's you'll be what sticking you your thumb up your ass being like, why did I, the heroes? No, 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 here's what you do. You find out how much these, these OA pages are going for and you let me know. Well, actually, um, you can buy his art at Out of Step Arts. That's his art dealer. No yes, shit. Sir. It's also Andrew McLean's you... art dealer. One of the same. I, I know him. I know. But this book, I mean, nowhere to lie. It, it, it just, it, it tickled all the right sweet spots. Um, it, it is, it's freewheeling. It's, you don't really know what's going to happen next. I don't think the creative team know what's going to happen next. I think they're, they're just throwing shit out there as they're doing it. And it is, it is working so well. It's, it's unhinged. The, just from a design standpoint, it looks, there's nothing out there that looks like this. Mm-hmm. Get in on it. Get in on it, people. Cause David wants you to. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do we have? I'm, I'm in for the long haul. Let's, let's right, do another I'm looking round. at Space Riders pages right now on Out of Step Arts. Reasonable? Uh, depends what you think is reasonable. Hmm. Well, he's not a household name yet. I, I believe that's coming in the future. I would say two bills a page? Uh, more than that. Damn you, Alexi. I'm looking, uh, 285 seems to be the baseline for the cheat, like the least expensive pages. But it looks pretty cool, actually. It, it's Flaming awesome. Flaming Skull looks like this Nick Fury dude, Cyclops looking dude. That, that's Capitan Peligro. And there's a reason why I say Capitan. I don't say Captain. Read the book. You'll find the out. The cover why. with the knife and the skull head. That's cool. What? There's multiple covers. That's not so my this cover. Is for Space Riders number four. Oh. I get him hard copy. Mm. Be looking at that stuff. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So whoop, there it is. It's awesome. Uh, I'm going to read, it. I'm gonna read the hell out of this book. Just woo. That, that's my review. Woo. <laughs> Exclamation point. Nice. Yeah. And you know what, David? I got a cosign because in the back book, um, there is a one, two, three, three, four page, uh, preview of the disciples by Steve. I'm guessing it's Steve Niles and Christopher Mitten. It looks really good. Didn't you say you, you checked out the disciples? No. You didn't? I don't think so. Oh, well. If you're looking for something to read, check out The Disciples, Disciples. by okay. Steve Niles and Christopher Minton. There's a, a double-page splash where a whole bunch of dead people are floating in space. It is amazing. Really nicely done. But when you say really nicely done in conjunction with Christopher Minton, I think it's a given. Yeah. Right? Faux show. Umbral. Yeah. Cal McDonald. Wasteland. Everything the guy, Wasteland. Wasteland. Everything the guy does is just top-notch. Shit, son. So, yeah. The Disciples. Check in on that. I want to hear from someone other than myself. Wow, crickets. Don't, <laughs> geez, don't all rush to the mic. Oh, it's like you're all uh, watching NFL draft or something. Yes. Um, no, I got one. A little more older stuff, but um, I'm kind of it's rediscovering it. I'm, Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> as soon as as soon as the call ends, I'll start flagellating myself, I swear. Um, <laughs> not in the room. Not in this room, you're not flagellating. Well, maybe. Um no, not cleaning. I uh, I uh, I was reading um, I, I was reading uh, Thomas Pynchon's uh, Inherent Vice, 
And I think I talked about this, Vince. So, but anyway, you know, Pynchon, like, he does all of the, uh, like, you can, you can read his books just by the, the references alone, right? Um, and there's a bit in the book where the, there's this cop named Bigfoot and he, he references, uh, the fabulous free freak brothers. And he talks, no way. he talks about the freak brothers dictum, you know, about, you know, dope, uh, dope will get you through the hard times, uh, you know, something about, you know, no money and no dope. Uh, what, whatever the case, whatever it is, but it's, 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 it is point, true. the point is, is marijuana is more important than money <laughs> is, um, it is what they're getting across. So, so anyway, uh, so I was like, Oh man, I forgot about the freak brothers. So I went and I, I found a whole bunch of the freak brothers stuff and I've been rereading it. And, um, you know, it's, I love you so much. It's, it, well, oh, well, it's, it's, I do. Oh, well, of course. I love you too. Um, oh, I love this. everybody. I love. Should Dave and I excuse ourselves? Or no, oh, Vince has no, a blue. No, 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 no. Oh no, 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 not. I have two hands. So, uh-huh. um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, no. So I've been rereading uh, the the Freak Brothers, and I, that that just sort of led me down this rabbit hole of other undergrounds um, that I just haven't really visited in a long time. Um, but I I really like the Freak Brothers stuff. I mean, it's totally one note. I mean, it's the same gag. Every time. I mean, do we have marijuana? Do we have any dope? No. Who should we rob? What, what harebrained scheme can we get into to get marijuana, right? And then Fat Freddy's cat is somewhere, you know. Yeah, I was just going to say he got a lot of mileage out of that with Fat Freddy and the cat and then the the main Freak Brothers book. It it was, you're right. It's very Gru-esque in that it does, it is repetitive, but the, I think the cartooning is just, Flat out amazing. Oh yeah, well I guess, and that's, I guess that's what I wanted to get to. I mean, just the, the cartooning itself is just, it's spot on. Um, and it, it just really, we were, you know, we were talking before, or I was saying before, you know, how, uh, Steranko was kind of of a moment, you know, I mean, he was the right person to reimagine those pre-existing characters. I mean, I, I, Gilbert Shelton, you know, he's doing the Freak Brothers, I think he's the right person for that moment to sort of launch like, you know, the underground comics movement. I mean, that's, when I think underground comics, I think really Crumb and Gilbert Shelton uh, in, mm-hmm. in terms of like like the aesthetics. I mean, there's Spain and all those other guys that I like too, but I mean, Shelton is the one that I think sort of sets the tone. Um, and, and anyway, I mean, they're just they're just delightful, and like I'm, I'm I'm as anti like slacker as, as they come, but like I just love following the adventures of these idiots in. in um, but uh but anyway there's not there's not a whole lot to add beyond that other than just like it's like for all of the dark things that i've been reading like it's been like this nice sort of break where i can laugh at at you know it just ridiculous stoner humor for you know 90 pages or whatever of basically the same joke over and over and over again um <laughs> and you know the funny thing i was reading about him he was uh he worked with Harvey Kurtzman and it was Kurtzman that really pushed him to get that book put together, um, because Shelton went from he was in Austin, right? So he went to mm-hmm. New York and he worked on Kurtzman's Help, the Warren magazine, right? And um, then shortly, I mean, as soon as Shelton left, like the magazine folded. Um, but uh, I guess it was Harvey Kurtzman that pushed him to go back and do the comics and the Freak Brothers and, and um, uh, what was the Warthog character. Wonder Warthog. Yeah, Wonder Warthog. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know about any of that stuff until I started reading up on it again. Um, but, um, but anyway, which I just thought was really fascinating because I love, I, 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 like, I, I like how 
this is sort of a little bit tangential, but I love the way that like Kurtzman's fingers are just kind of in everything right then, like all those sort of revolutionary comics and magazines and just sort of really the one guy really transformed so much of the culture just by like reaching, you know, just, you know, with the wave of his hand really. Um, and, uh, and that Shelton was a part of that was just fascinating to me. Um, but anyway, yeah. So back to, back to the freak brothers, just the cartooning in those is, is really wonderful. And I, the, it's just, there's a, there's a, there's a whimsy to it. It's like, it's, it's more, it's like crumb, but more whimsical. And, um, yeah. Anyway, it's just, the bro- the brothers are really not good people. No, no, they're terrible people. Yeah. Really but, bad people, but yeah. that, that's glossed over a lot because the adventures are so funny. They're, they're, they're doing, let's be honest, illegal things to procure, haha. Mm-hmm. Illegal, illegal substances. I mean, that's their goal in life is to just get high. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's their only goal. I mean, they, they only need money to get dope and they only need food to live. So, um, but really their whole, I mean, pot and coke or whatever drug, whatever the drug du jour is. I mean, I mean, that's their, the whole reason for their existence, right? And they live for nothing else. You can't really tell through the course of the entire, you know, series, however long it is. If Shelton is, if he likes the characters or if he's maybe uh, commenting on this whole lifestyle in a negative way, you can't tell. He, he's, he's Im- completely invisible. I know. Like there's, there's no indication at all to what side. I mean, I think we know, but as you're reading them, it's not like drugs bad, you know, or, you know, drugs are awesome. There's, there's none of that. He, he's, he is, um, far removed from, it's like almost as if the characters took over and they're just telling the story themselves. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, I think it's just sort of a reflection of the world that he lived in by the time he moved to San Francisco. I mean, right. that, I mean, these, these are the people he was hanging out with and that he was sharing a house with. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's entirely, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think it's entirely objective, but I mean, he's, it's hard to tell like where he comes down on this, but right. I think I mean, I mean, ultimately I think he's, he's more pro freak brothers than not. <laughs> right. But the, the wonder Warhog stuff is infinitely more political than the furry freak brothers. And so you get an idea where, you know, in the left, right, in in the grand scheme of things where Shelton stands, but um, there, there, there's one aim in Furry Freak Brothers, and that's to 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 get high. Mm-hmm. And I, I I read these back in the day, very early in life. We used to have a a uh, head shop slash used bookstore mm-hmm. where uh, my friends and I would take the bus down every Saturday afternoon, and I would pick up these things, and I didn't get a lot of the jokes or. Uh, a lot of the situations because I was basically 11 years old, 12 years old when I was reading these things. So a lot of it was lost on me. But what wasn't, what I did retain is the cartooning style. That has stuck with me forever. I think Shelton is a absolute master. Yeah. Cartoonist. And, and I would, um, eagerly, uh, utter his name in the same breath as Crumb and, um, a lot of his contemporaries. I think he's fantastic. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I would too. I mean, I, I think, I mean, Crumb would have done what he was going to do anyway. But I mean, I think the reason that Robert Crumb 
really works and exists is because Gilbert Shelton came before him. Um, and, and, hmm. it, because, I mean, I mean, there, there's, there are other underground comics before the Freak Brothers and before Shelton, but I mean, Shelton's is, to, to my mind, Shelton is the, Shelton's is the one that really sort of sets the tone and says, okay, let's do this. Because not only does he do it, but because he's, you know, with Ripoff Press and stuff, because he's working, uh, w- with the posters and he has the distribution system in place, I mean, that's what makes all of those zines or all of those underground comics possible, right? It's because they're distributing through the head shops because nobody else is going to carry them. And, 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 you know, it's not like they can just stand out on the corner and pass these things out and really, justify right. keep doing them. I mean, where the money is is by selling them in head shops, and that comes from Shelton and the ripoff press guys. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, I, th- I think he has a leg up on all of his contemporaries, at least, at least in that. I mean, not only is he a great cartoonist, but he also had the business sense and figured out the model to make them work. Right. So, and living through that time, I, I knew a, a Phineas, I knew a Fat Freddy, uh, I didn't know a Franklin. Uh, because he's, he's pretty, he's the most extreme as far as character design, but the rest of them, like, I knew these guys. These were guys that, you know, I would see in my neighborhood. The, the, the scru- scraggy, kind of overweight, grubby, didn't take a shower in, in a, in a week kind of guys who would just be looking for weed. That, I mean, that's, that's what they did. And, uh, another thing, I don't know if you keep an eye on my Facebook feed, but, I think uh, about a month ago, I put up a, a video of the animated Furry Freak Brothers. Have you seen that? There's going to be an animated movie. That. It's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't see that at all. I have to pull that. Yeah, it's 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 good. I forget who's doing it. I don't think it's it's uh, in the states. I think it's yeah, obviously somewhere else. But uh, it, it it captures the 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 whole feel of the. Um, the Freak Brothers without being um, that squeaky clean Pixar kind of look. Mm-hmm. It's cool stuff. Yeah, check it out. They Google it. it. It's on there. Freak Brothers animated. It's cool stuff. Yeah, we'll do that. When I'll you said, this is neither here nor there. When you said Freak Brothers, I was opening a beer and the damn thing fizzed <laughs> all over the place. And I swear I didn't, I didn't cause it. Well, good. Synchronicity. It's beautiful. Look at that. It's just my beautiful. legs all wet. Mm. The rest of you too. Uh, n- well, now, yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Mission accomplished. I'm feeling no pain. Hey, everybody! Once again, this little shindig has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them cheap, most importantly, and get them delivered right to your door, all nice and mint and. Beautiful looking, uh, without ever leaving the confines of your home. It's amazing. DCBService.com. Tell them 11 o'clock comics sent you. Because, you know, we love them. We love you. We just want to see you make good. In your travels, let me grab them. They're over here on my scanner. Damn it. Uh, I'm going to double shot it really quickly. I got caught up on the King Features books from Dynamite. Remember when I said Flash Gordon was the one that wasn't really doing it for me? Yeah. Well, by issue number three, it's doing it for me again. Uh, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker with, uh, art by Lee Ferguson. Additional inks by Mark Deering. Um, <laughs> you know, 
I'm kind of kicking myself in the nuts because I have a love-hate relationship with the uh, Dino De Laurentiis Flash Gordon movie. I really hate it, but there's a part of me that that loves it, hence the love-hate relationship. Um, It is a really bad movie, but but there's parts of it that have stuck with me since the day I saw it in the theaters. So how could that be really bad, right? They base a lot of this series around the events of the movie. Like the SK system is mentioned in the comic. Yeah, we're from Earth, the SK system. And Flash is a lot like the Flash in in the movie. Even the the character designs, like Ming and um, who's the um, prince from... um, Prince Baron, he, you know, he's bald, but he, he looks kind of like Timothy Dalton a little bit. Uh, and Voltan is straight from the movie. Awesome. But, um, it's, it's a fun book. Issue number three really slams home how capable Dale Arden is. She does not need Flash to protect her because she holds her own against this giant sea creature. Um, there's a, a, a love triangle forming between Flash and, uh, this princess of Coralia. And Dale and Flash kind of uses the princess to to get back at Dale because Dale isn't really feeling the relationship yet. So he's like, yeah, why not? I'll spend some time with the princess and Dale doesn't like it. And the princess doesn't like it because when she makes the move on Flash, Flash says, you know, my heart's with 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 Dale. And she gets pissed off and throws Dale into the the arena to fight this this monster. And Zarkov is straight out of the movie. He can't get enough of the hooch, yet he's... uh an uber brilliant scientist who is not only using this this element to to make this um, galactic wide communication system, he's also curing cancer. In the meantime, it's fun. But the one I really wanted to talk about was the Phantom. Ooh, the Phantom, written by Brian Clevenger and capably illustrated by the great Brent Schoonover. This thing is awesome. There's a point in this book where Mandrake pops in and that's all well i'll say a little bit more mandrake pops in to uh to help out and he summons all of the deceased phantoms all of them you got you got to read this it's really good um schoonover i was a fan of before this after this book man he is so high on my list he's doing a really great job on this book and uh it's the pulp heroes which really ring my bell um sorry jason but I, I, I think you should, you guys should check out all of the King, King Dynamite books, especially, well, do, um, grab them all because I can't really pick which one is, is the highest on my list. There's Flash Gordon, Jungle Jim, Mandrake, Prince Valiant, and The Phantom. And they're all really fun. It's not Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's really, you know, not, not a universe, uh, in peril. It's just fun enjoyable pulp heroes in comic form and what more do you want so check those out uh in your travels get yourself to you done talking to me whoever's over there rifling and shuffling and that's not me that's somebody else it was you dude (laughs) it was it's it's somewhere better it's only 360th episode jason's throwing me under the bus yeah That's because you have this uncanny need to, every time you talk about a comic that you love, infer that I wouldn't like it. Because you don't. It's not true at all. You're an enemy of fun. (laughs) God. 
<laughs> Shit. Uh, have another beer. Oh, I snap. can't. I remember when I had my first. I already had too. it. Before. <laughs> Wait. I said, Shut up! I don't drink much. Uh, was it expired? So the uh, I'm going to um, tell you to get your ass to the movie theater this weekend. But in your travels, get yourself to a local comic shop for Saturday's free comic book day. Yes. Uh, the first Saturday every May, and uh, and it is this year. So uh, I. Sadly, <laughs> they don't have anything nearby to participate with. So, uh, I'll be living vicariously through everybody else and, and I'll get you some I'll, stuff. I'll, I'll sob as I see Facebook posts about, uh, show me what you want. I'll get them. <laughs> we'll talk. So, uh, so, so there is that. But, uh, and while you're at the comic shop and, um, having fun checking out the free books, Pick up a couple of things. One thing that uh, I would recommend that Vince and I did not talk about tonight uh, would be something called Spread, published by Spread. Image, written by uh, Eagle, and uh, <laughs> 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 it's dirty. Kyle it is. It's 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 a freaky fucking book. Uh, but I would also uh, what, dude? That the Calstrom? Oh my oh, god! He's, 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 he he is. I hate him. He's so good. I hate, see when you get to a certain level of of ability, you 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 pass through the love zone and into the hate zone. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, I got a shout out my boy Felix. Uh, Felix uh, is his art rep. Uh, so Sweet. He's yeah. You have you have a Kyle page? Not yet, but <sighs> I do lots yeah. of business with Felix. So he does. Uh, so I'm going to say from Valiant, uh, the fourth issue I recently read of. Um, Ebar Time Walker, uh, and the fourth issue actually, I think was, pr- I'm gonna say is the best out of the first four, and um Could you not be too specific? Don't be too specific, cause I didn't read that one yet. But you can I be- I am, I, I, so don't be events. So I have- Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Look at the snoop. I, uh, I, I was, yeah. I was with our, our, uh, our strong supporting female lead character uh, uh, through most of this issue uh, until she kind of, I'll wait for you to read events, but there's, I, it's, it's a fantastic issue. Everything is great. The way it's laid out. Um, Van Lenthe is, 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 is a master obviously, but it's um, the uh, Clayton Henry is back on art and it is, it's, it's just, it's fantastic. There's a, uh, when, um, when Mila is is trying to, she's trying to fix something that she thinks mm-hmm. is fixable, uh, but you basically find out that it, it, one of my one, one of the rules I live by is, is everything happens for a reason, and and you think you may be able to fix something, change something, and and if you if you have the opportunity to go back in time and alter it, uh, chances are. You probably won't be able to, and and th- that's kind of where this particular issue um, takes that that germ of an idea. But it, it's it's wonderfully done. Um, Henry illustrates it beautifully. There's there's more needles than you can shake a stick at in in this issue. There's there's a scene that takes place in a bar. It's just it it's fantastic. It's great stuff, and and it's it's it would at just looking at it, you would think it'd be confusing as hell, but 
Bamlanti just makes sense of it all and it is it is extremely uh well crafted. I, I think it's it's one of my favorite Valiant books. I know we love the Valiant and, and, and well two out of two out of three of us love the love, love the Valiant and it's um well I just now you're it, mini series. Yeah, that was great. Dude, do it again. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was dicks, great. Uh, that was awesome. Baggy Dick's co-host. <laughs> Before you move on, I got to I got to say few writers are as smart as Van Lenty. That's true. Yes. We still but, never had on the show in spite of yes. the fact that we were Minutes away from having him on for a Fred Van Lenthe month several years ago. We seriously got to have him on. But uh, another thing, um, I'm guessing, David, you don't have to tell me, you know, it, maybe it doesn't play out in this issue. But I am guessing that the reason for Mila's turn, as well intentioned as he is, I'm, I, I will bet that Ivar is the reason why she does whatever she does to turn like that. Oh, yes. He's, he's got to do something. Uh, because he's too cocky. He's he's too sure of himself, and he's just like but, he thinks he's in control all the time, but, he, but it's not. Then, but then she, she just that's the the she makes the. There is something about someone with experience, and if if someone with experience is telling you how to do something or what not to do. But you think you just met this person and you want to do what you want to do, even though I'm going to go build a car. You've never built a car before. I know what I'm doing. And But you're going to talk to a mechanic and the mechanic is telling you that's not how this works. But you think you do know how to do it, right. but you're wrong. But, but she did create a time travel device. It, I'm, we're just, there's just certain things where it's like, listen, you get... I understand you have to stumble. You You have to make these mistakes on your own. But... I just, just once I would love to read a goddamn story where, where the person actually listens. I mean, it would be a really short fucking story, but I just, just <laughs> like, listen to the person who, who, who is, who's been there and, and you're going to learn from, but it, she's also young. I, that's she's that's so what I'm saying. Young. And it's, it, but it, it, it's a fantastic issue. It is. The whole series is fantastic. Well, the fourth issue is the best one yet. Nice. Is it better than Divinity? I don't think yes, so. Yes, it is, and which we still haven't explained <laughs> why, but go ahead, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I said that for a reason. For reals. Get you going. Get for you going. For reals, though. <laughs> so uh, I was very happy to be able to do the following in your travels. It's been four years since we have been graced with this character in comics. What? Yes, four years. But he's back and better than ever. Batman. Batman. Scrooge McDuck. Oh, you, you dick. Bag of dicks. IDW secured the rights to the Disney characters. This is the first issue of the launch. They will also be putting out Donald Duck, Walt Disney's comics and stories, and Mickey Mouse in the coming months. But first, they're giving us the arguably, uh, no, inarguably the best of the bunch. Uh, Uncle Scrooge, number one. Uh, which was also numbered number 405 for you continuity wonks. Uh, and it was awesome. It was awesome. It's, uh, it's, to be clear, it's a 399 cover price comic. Uh, and, and just so there's no confusion, it is reprints, but yep. they're reprints we've never seen in the U.S. before. They're three Italian reprints, uh, translated into the English. Cause Italians do ducks the best. Yes, exactly. These are legendary 
uh, uh, these are legendary duck uh, writers and artists. Rodolfo Semino, Romano Scarpa, Giorgio Cavazzano, oh. um, uh, uh, Luca Boschi, uh, Sandra Del Conti. Uh, these are all guys that have done a ton. I mean, like like decades worth of of, of Disney books. Uh, super fun, and it's 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 three ninety nine, but but you're getting your bang for your buck because it's forty four pages of story, two twenty page stories. My my personal favorite uh, is also the one that you see on the cover. It's called Giga Beagle, uh, Giga Beagle, King of the Robot Robbers. Uh, it's it's essentially it's been a while since the uh, Beagle Boys have tried to come up on any of uh, Scrooge's loot, and it's got him nervous because he's he's like it's been so long. It must be up to something. And uh, well, lo and behold, they uh, they create a Mecha Beagle Boy to try and break into the vault, and uh, Uncle Scrooge has to has to put the kibosh on that. And then um, the other main story is probably one of the coolest comic book story arc names I've ever seen. Tinker, Taylor, mm-hmm. Scrooge, and Sly. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Uh, that is good. Yeah, so, uh, and then there's a little bridge story in between. It's just a little funny aside story. Um, a little palate cleanser. Uh, a little sorbet in between your, your uh, secundi and your cheese course, if you will. But uh, in any event, really well done by IDW. It's so nice to see these com- uh, these characters back in uh, English comics again. And uh, it's great because not only did I read it, but I read it to my six-year-old uh, tonight for bedtime. So all Aww. ages, baby, all ages. So That is the best. Absolutely. That is yeah. the, the absolute best. Yep. Yes. And, and uh, David, to, to echo David's point, go out and do the free comic book day. I generally, it seems, am not usually available to do it, uh, but the, the dominoes have fallen into place, so I will be taking out my three sons all for their first free comic book day experience this year. Awesome. And uh, one, of, one of the shops we plan on hitting, um, we'll have Frank Barbieri there. Uh, wow. So we'll be... Uh, We'll be saying hello to him, see if he remembers when he talked to us uh, at New York Comic Con last year. We'll see. Um, and then also, I don't know why we keep forgetting, because this, this this project needs your support, and we need to get the word out. Uh, there's a movie coming out this weekend called Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. Uh, and, um, you know, look, it's, it's, it, we, we got to spread the word. If you, if, you don't, if you don't let people know about these things, um, you know, if you don't pre-order... Uh, we may not get a Avengers three, so <laughs> yeah, so right. make sure you go out and support this in the first weekend because I'd like to keep it in theaters for more than a week or two. You know, I'm I, I'm trying not to to read reviews yet. I haven't read a single just, review, just with an eye on on spoilers. But um, a lot of I don't want to say a lot of, but there were a good number of yeah, it was good, but like in the title. And I, I, I don't think it's going to be the second coming, but I don't see, judging by the trailer, if all the things that I've seen in the trailer are in the movie, I really don't see how it could be disappointing. Well, look, there's going to be a natural inclination for at least some subset of people to start actively True. looking to put down the superhero genre of films because they all continue to be such runaway successes. So I just say judge it for your own. For what it's worth, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is 75%, which is pretty darn good for a, a, a popcorn flick. You know. Yeah. I'm headed there. Yeah. I'm headed to it right after this. Are you really? Yeah. Get out of here. You're going tonight? Yep. 
Yep. No, my uh, my my kid brother has been dying to go, and we haven't done anything together for a while. So I said I have to do this. But as soon as this is done, we're out the door. We're going. So, you're going to midnight movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a twelve thirty, so we got Six. plenty of time. Oh Jesus, you're not gonna get home till almost four. That's it's nice. it's two hours and, and thirty. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's two hours and thirty some oh, minutes. Hey, I, think. <laughs> I got I got nowhere to be tomorrow. So that's good. Good for you. Yeah. I'm 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 jealous. Awesome. Well, it was nice having you on the show again, Zach. No, I was so, I was so glad to be here. You didn't do it in your travels, yeah. Zach. Oh yeah, let me do it in your travels real quick. Uh, so, um, as I am often, I'm about 10 years behind the curve, and, uh, I'm, uh, I picked up, uh, Mike, uh, the Michael Shabon character, uh, turned comic, The Escapist, and I'm finally reading The Escapist stuff, and I really love it, and, uh, I hadn't planned on mentioning this in, in, in the In Your Travels, except for the fact that we were talking about Steranko earlier, and The Escapist is based on Steranko, so, um, like Mr. Miracle, right? Um... But anyway, no, I'm reading uh, The Escapist for the first time, and I really like it. I feel a little silly for not having read this ten years ago. Um, but it's really good stuff. So there you go. You should also read it. Now, is is this a collected edition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any of the singles or anything like that. All right. Does it have The Escapists miniseries in it? Uh, all I have all I have is the, um, the Vaughn stuff. Yeah, The Escapist. Yeah, the six-part miniseries, yeah. Let me know what you think of that. Okay, I will. I mean, I I like the idea of sort of metafiction. I'm really mm-hmm. hammered with the idea of metafiction. So, and I like Vaughn a lot, and I trust him. So, um, you know, so far I like it, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of digging in with it now. So, cool, awesome. But anyway, yeah, no. To what Jason was saying, thank you so much for letting me come on and hawk my wares with the show and all that kind of stuff because I love talking to you guys so much. Uh, you can come on in. I'll tell you what, you were one of the many reasons that, uh, the Facebooks, which is usually a place of great enjoyment for me, was a bit melancholy over the, uh, the weekend because you and quite a few other peeps were having a grand old time at, uh, Sado's yeah. Hados. And, uh, uh, I, 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 I have to admit I have deep regret for not going this year after, I was pretty comfortable with not being able to go because things, scheduling and other cons we had already lined up, but, uh, but uh, you guys seem like you had a freaking blast, and and the, the pictures and the events were hot and heavy. So I was yeah. definitely having them feels this weekend for not having to found a way to do it. Yeah, well, man, I miss you guys. It, it would be good to to get together and do all that stuff again. It's um, all Vince's yeah. fault. I mean, he's always busy. Yeah, it's my it's fault. It is. It is true. Yeah, I, I think if there was a camera, Alan was in front of it. Every picture I saw, Wait, Alan was in it. I think you're it. confusing oh. Alan with McDade. No. Oh, Jay. Yeah, it's it's I close, it was, but I think Alan was in a lot of photos. I think though the difference oh. is McDade had a selfie stick, and Alan was just yeah, that's true. <laughs> Wait, he has a selfie stick. <laughs> well, it sure seemed like, like it. it. <laughs> Actually, maybe not because those seem like kind of close. Maybe that's just his arm length, or something else. Well, but I have to say, I mean, David at least got to hang out with Andrew Shaw while he was in town. Um, so that was cool. He got so he probably doesn't feel. But to see him here, and then also to see Pua, who I had no idea was coming yeah. to C2E2. I, uh, you know, yeah. I, I owe Pua so many hugs. I mean, he, uh, uh, it's, it's, he's not only an awesome guy and so kind to us about the show, but, but you remember when my boys, uh, met, this was six years ago now, uh, or maybe five, but, but a bunch of years ago, um, my boys were expressing interest in Pokemon. I knew nothing about it. And the dude, just because he listened to our show, mailed me a 
shit ton of Pokemon cards for the boys from all the way across the country, the world. And, uh, uh, that, that I've never forgotten that. So really bummed that I didn't get to meet those guys and spend time with them. So yeah, so, night, yeah, Dan, Dan was the nicest guy that, that lunch we went to, we went to China, we walked down to Chinatown at this place, Lao Sichuan or whatever. That was the best thing of like all of C2E2. That was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the food was good, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if you heard or saw, but there was a mouse in the restaurant. Yep. Yeah, I saw, and, saw the picture. Yeah, there was yeah. a yeah, it was like a shadow mouse like crawling behind the windows, and and <laughs> and Bobgar and I are sitting. I mean, we're fine. Dan's fine. Most everybody else is like, oh well. I mean, whatever. Let's just it's, the food's still going to be good, right? But poor Alan and Jerry, like they might as well. I mean, the food might, <laughs> like you might as well have said your food has cancer in it. Like, it, <laughs> like uh-huh. they were just so like upset. <laughs> oh man, it was great. I loved it. But, yeah, that the, and that food was just ridiculous. And the burlesque show that Chris took us to was also pretty. Oh cool. yeah, the Star Wars burlesque, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 turned out uh, that turned out pretty okay. I like that. That was fun. So, cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, thank you, Mr. Crucy, for being here with us. No, the, thanks. The, the door is always open for you. Oh, well, good. No, uh, and for the rest of you. Thank you for being here, and please join us next episode. You'll be able to find it the same place you found this episode, because if you don't, Mr. Price will be very beclimped, and we can't have that. So please come back with us, and while you're at it, if you would be so kind, leave us an iTunes review. We appreciate those very much. Come to our forum at where, David? 11oClockComics.com. And you can join us on the Facebooks. We have our own little niche inside the Facebook universe. Join us there. And if you are also really a glutton for punishment, we're on the Twitters. Two of us are. Stop it. I'm at um, Vince Bond. David is at David A. Price. And Jason is at... J... J-A-Y... B... O-O-D... How did it's I basically cornflakes that I piss in on today? <laughs> Jesus. J B Wood. J A Y B W O D. You dick. Uh, <laughs> Join us, because we can't get enough of you. It's the it's the damn truth. I don't lie. The Uh-oh. other two may Zach has been known to stretch the truth a little bit, mm-hmm. but I do not lie at all. So Join us. Join us. We love you. Say goodnight. David. Goodnight. David. Oh, he, that's so, it's uncanny. It is. Say bye. Jason hates fun. That's what it is. You hate fun. I put up your hand. He's going to tweet the end of it and think that he's doing it.